Hey everybody, Rob here. Just wanted to give you a heads up that there's a special bonus segment at the end of the episode after we end it. So stay tuned if you want to check out that extra piece of the show with one of Akiva's good friends who did something very special with this episode. So now a quick word from Podcast One, and then we'll get into our recap of the chicken roaster here on the Seinfeld Post Show Recap. Hey, it's Layla from Layla Ali Lifestyle on Podcast One. Now as an undefeated boxing champion turned fitness and wellness expert, I'm going to be bringing you the information that you want to hear. Be a champion in every area of your life. You can download new episodes of Layla Ali Lifestyle every Thursday at PodcastOne.com or subscribe at iTunes. Seinfeld, the chicken roaster is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now, here are the guys who want nothing to do with Mr. Marbles. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here is Wheels Wienaker. How's it going, Rob? How are you, Wheels? I thought I you were going to, you know, we could say like wearing those giant Russian hats, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the name of them is, really. I think that those are in now. Are they in? Yes. Very fashionable now. I think if we do if we do the like a live finale, we have to both be wearing the giant sable Russian hats. Well, I think that we could afford the forty dollar rat hats uh, that you can get from Bob Sacamano in Central Park. Um, well, adjusted for inflation, those are probably too expensive for us. <laughs> they might be too expensive. Actually, I feel like are those the precursor to the tundra hats? Uh, they might be, but uh, do the tundra hats fall apart? Uh, they have not yet, but I haven't worn mine in the rain yet. I do have uh, a pair of New York Jets Tundra hats, Keith. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. It's not, actually. It's actually the worst Tundra hat to have, the New York Jets. I think any other hat would be more acceptable to wear. I do wear a baseball cap out a lot of times, um, and I wear a Jets hat, and I forget it. It's just like a hat I like wearing. It's like a simple hat. And I'll get like comments on the street, even if I'm in like other countries. And I forget, like, oh, yeah, I sh- this is embarrassing. I shouldn't be wearing it. Yeah. Keeve, that I really felt like you were way over the line when you said last weekend that it was the best football Sunday of the entire year for the Jets fans as the Dolphins and the Giants had embarrassing losses in the playoffs. I thought that that was way over the top, uncalled for, Keeve. Yeah, I think uh, you emailed that to me, but... <laughs> And I don't remember exactly how it went. But I, I think it is true. It was, the, it was the highlight of them for a few years. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about chicken roaster. Keith, is Kenny Rogers chicken roaster? Is, is that still in business? I think we will find out at some point in this episode. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's, you know, let people listen and they'll find out in the mailbag if they don't want to Google it. Because okay, we I do have answers it. to that question. I haven't Googled it. Uh, but Keith, that I would imagine you have never been to a Kenny Rogers roaster. No. Well, it's possible they don't exist, so no one has been. But in the, in the past, years, you could have gone sure, to no. one, but it's not kosher, right? So you have not been there. Never been in one, no. Yes. No, I definitely did go to uh, one or two along the way. Uh, I feel like uh, they were primarily competing with the Boston market. Boston market, though, was uh, still very much around. You know, Boston market is one of those companies that like used to have a lot of ads and now they don't really have any anymore. Yeah, they're sort of low. Key Do you remember who their spokesman market. used to be when when they were like at the height of their advertising game? Hmm. Um, I would guess George went. No, that's a good guess. Yeah. Who? Uh, my uh, my former coworker, Keith Olbermann, was their <laughs> was their spokesman. That seems like a weird person to have promoting your chicken restaurant. Yeah, it, would, it was like, uh, come here. If you don't, you're the worst person of the week and I'm going to make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> 
in what era was Keith Olbermann the spokesperson for Boston Market? Mid nineties. I mean, the 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 big show, like the Sports Center, with, that had him and Dan Patrick was, was Dan Patrick very popular. Also a sponsor? No, but Patrick was is, is like a big spokesman too. Hmm. So this was like Olbermann's one big, you know, uh, like advertising gig. Okay, so but Boston Market. I think Boston Market is like in the category of Krispy Kreme as uh, more and more people become health conscious. I think it's harder for Boston. I just think that, you know, everything at Boston Market is a, you know, uh, 15,000 calorie meal. Uh, yeah, that's why I would like I don't even know how Coke and Pepsi still exist, to be honest. Yeah, that's really amazing that uh, you like know, there's not one bit like you live in L.A. There isn't one parent in your whole city. They would let their kid like even try Coke on their birthday. Yeah, they literally have let them have cocaine before they drank Coca-Cola. Yeah. But that being said, Keeve, uh, I think it's the entire rest of the country. I think that's making up for it. Big. So are we are we being like uh, are we being like coastal elitist? I'm sorry. The flyover <laughs> states are still drinking this. So I drink Diet Coke all day. So I'm not I'm I'm one of you guys. Yeah, I'm salt of the earth. Look, I'll drink a soda once in a while. I just drink it regularly. Try to drink uh, more and more. Only water and coffee. It's like I'm a have not. I mean, they also own a lot of like water and coffee type things, Coke and Pepsi. So maybe that's how they're still in business. (laughs) Big soda. Okay, so uh, the chicken roaster here in uh, season eight. Uh, we're going to get into uh, an episode. A lot of memorable stuff here today, right? Yeah, it is. You know, the, the season eight, nine episodes. You don't think of them as much as classics because like by the time someone would have had sort of thoughts about that, you know, era of Seinfeld, the show was over and maybe out of the public eye. The way like if someone says, what's a classic Seinfeld episode? And we'd say like the Chinese restaurant or the parking garage or the soup Nazi. But I I think if the show aired longer, this actually maybe would have been like further cemented into like the, uh, you know, like iconics episode era. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but like, you know, the people like the people on the street. This may be, you know, in their top five. Yeah, it's definitely uh, some iconic moments. I think that one of my favorite things and one of the things that I've remembered for a long time is when Jerry and Kramer basically switch apartments and ultimately identities. And I think that we're in, you know, this final run of Seinfeld. And I don't know what the right way to describe it is, but we're at the point where everything has already been established in terms of the format of the show and the characters of the show and who they are. And now there's nothing left to do but to play with those perceptions. So we get things like, okay, well now we have bizarro Jerry where we have like sort of like these mirror reflections of the characters. And then Kramer and Jerry are switching identities because we are, you know, know these characters so well that we can just flip that on its head. So it's going to be interesting to see what other things that we sort of just you know, end up flipping around and playing with the format with. Yeah, this is also one of, if not the most, like self-referential episode of the series. Yes. OK, well, a lot of stuff to get through. Uh, a number of people uh, taking credit for the writing of this episode, Keith. Wasn't it Bergen Schaefer? I mean, I'm on IMDb. I see uh, Bergen Schaefer, and then I see Crittenden and Corin as story editors, too, on this. Oh, yeah. You got the story editors, too. So a lot of people coming together. I was trying to watch the inside look and get a little bit of a sense of how Bergen Schaefer came up with the story, but my DVD was skipping, Keith. Really? Maybe that's like an inside, you know, maybe uh, like it's part of the, you know, they don't want you to know how this got made. So it's... uh like it's a you know conspiracy i think that like i mean you like the mythology behind this episode i don't know it's not it's not super uh mysterious by the way with the story thing if we ever get one of these writers on i want i really want to know how come people can't ask about money i want to know like 
what do you get paid every time one of these episode airs? And what's the difference between the written by credit and the story credit for yeah. what you get paid? It must be so much money that you would be embarrassed uh, if like, you heard how much it was. You think like every time it airs, they get they, they would be embarrassed like it's hundreds of dollars? <laughs> Something like that. Well, I think maybe even more, Keith. Who knows? I mean, if it's if it's thousands of dollars, like then these guys like could basically like these episodes air so often. These guys could basically not work like they could all live off their Seinfeld residuals. Yeah. Whatever you think the Seinfeld syndication money is, I think it's probably higher. Uh, yeah. Maybe we get Steve Bannon on. He'll let us uh, know. Maybe, yeah, that's, <laughs> has, when he has a press conference, we'll be there to ask. Uh, uh, excuse me, excuse Mr. Bannon. Uh, can you match your post show recap? <laughs> yes. Uh, I have a question about the Seinfeld syndication deal. Yes. Uh, can, you, can you imagine today? Like today was Trump's first press conference. If like, Instead of like, uh, Donald, this one's for your uh, your assistant, uh, Steve, over there. What are you pulling down per year? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into uh, the episode. Any, anything else, Keeve? No, I think let's let's get in. There's a lot to talk about here. All right. A lot to talk about. So we start off the episode with another one of these season eight non sequiturs where Jerry and George are talking about how juice is $1.89. Keeve, could you imagine getting some juice for $1.89? Um, well, I, don't, I don't even know what juice costs nowadays, but. What what would that juice cost now? Uh, that's like four fifty nine. Is it a naked juice? Just the small, like single service naked juice is four fifty. Yeah, I think that you might be able to get it cheaper in the supermarket. But if you're standing there on like one of these like uh, sidewalk uh, bodega type grocery stores, I think there's a bit of a markup there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. That's not the best place for deals. The sidewalk bodega. Yeah, and George is talking about how everything should be negotiable. All pasta is a scam. Buying or selling all pasta is a scam. Is that a hot take? Yeah, I, I know someone who won't order pasta in restaurants because they say, like, at home, I could make this. Like, it's too close to something you could make. Like, I, the person says, like, I could make this at home for, like, 99 cents. So why would I pay, you know, 20 bucks at a, at a restaurant for it? Um, the, I, I mean, you could really say that about just about anything in a restaurant, right? Yeah, if you know but how to the cook. markup on pasta is got to be phenomenal. Like uh, you probably are making, you know, you have some sort of like $20 pasta dish and it's got to be what, like 2000% profit on something like that, where you have something that's at least a piece of meat. You would think, you know, you go to the butcher and you're still paying, you know, nine ninety nine a pound for whatever meat you're going to be buying, even if you're not getting a pound of it in the restaurant, that it's going to cost, you know, a few bucks to get a good cut of meat. Yeah. I mean, should we open up a pasta like a noodle restaurant? Is that what you're saying here? Because the markup is so strong. Why doesn't everyone just do that? Because mm, I think that maybe there's not that many people that are dying to go out and pay for pasta. I, I actually went out uh, to like a pasta centric restaurant this week. And the waitress, uh, like, I, I never do this. I always, like, know what I'm getting before I get to the restaurant. But the waitress sold me on, like, a certain type of, like, ravioli or something. Mm -hmm. And it came with, like, four raviolis in the dish. Yeah. I was so annoyed. Mistake. It was Make like, mistake. I mean, I shouldn't have even had to pay for it. Like, I, I was starving when I got home after, like, spending, you know, hundreds of dollars at a restaurant. I was very upset. Yeah, ravioli is one of those things that you never end up satisfied with the portion they give you in a restaurant. Yeah, you know, I almost don't like restaurants because of the, the quantity. I am all about quantity of food and not quality. And like, unless there's like, you know, like endless pasta or something like I'm I'm not there anymore. I'm giving I'm, I'm down on restaurants right now. There are a lot of kosher buffets. No, because I there would be like pigs like me who'd eat all the food Um, there. I, there are there. There has been like I used to go with my really heavy friend to uh, who's also a big eater to like an all you could eat like Asian and sushi place on Monday nights. 
And he would, it would open at six and he'd like get there at five fifty five and like pregame. And he, he would like bring a, he would like bring a book and go to the bathroom for like an hour in mm-hmm. between like, like one and, you know, like, uh, like his first round and his second round. There definitely are, but, um, I, I feel like buffets in general are not as popular anymore. No. Yeah. I don't think that they're too popular in Vegas. Uh, people are still really into them, but I'm not a big buffet guy because it feels like it's exciting in principle. The thought is good of like, wow, there's going to be all this great food and it's all that you can eat. But I feel like rarely there's anything that's great on the buffet. Yeah, I we went recently to a, like a Friday like brunch buffet place and they it was all you could eat. And they um like the food there was not. And I like this restaurant was n- there wasn't one thing there that I would have considered ordering if I was just ordering off the menu, you know. So like the mm-hmm. quantity was there, but there what you're right. There wasn't one thing. I was like, oh, I need more of that. That's good. Yeah, I know you have criticized me in the past of not loving food. Don't love food. Don't love food. Yeah, but I would rather you know eat something uh, you know uh, a smaller amount of something that's absolutely phenomenal than a mass quantity of something that's so so. Right. My my ideal is like really good food, but an endless supply of it. That's why I'm fat. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, maybe that's waiting for you in heaven, Keith. Ooh, that's good. Yes. All right. So everything should be negotiable. That's what George's philosophy is. And so this dollar nineteen juice, uh, George says, what? I'll give you 25 cents. I'll give you 30 cents to the guy. And he says, get out of here. Go away. Never come back. Jerry says, what if we leave and come back in a week? The guy says deal. So they're happy ultimately with that negotiation. Yeah, they haggled properly. Yeah, that's not bad. Okay. So let's get into the meat of this episode, the dark meat of this episode, or maybe the succulent white meat of this episode. So, hey, Kenny Rogers Roasters is opening next door to Jerry's apartment. Um, yeah, it seems like uh, like a chain restaurant in the Upper West Side. I wonder if they even have any. Yeah, it seems I need weird. Chester to like. Also, the idea that they would erect this gigantic neon Kenny Rogers Roasters sign in the middle of a residential block that would be so big and bright that it is just shining through Kramer's window is really uh, beyond the imagination that you could have. Uh, I mean, it's not the most unbelievable thing. Like Elaine just randomly showing up in Burma in this very episode, or is it Burma? Fair point. Uh, yeah, I thought it was Myanmar. Depends on the day, but I, you know, that's probably less realistic, but I hear what you're saying. All right, so Kramer says the line, uh, Rogers can't sell chicken around here, and Jerry says, well, he is the gambler. Yeah, um, I don't even know anything about Kenny Rogers. Like, he's a singer. Mm-hmm. He's, he's famous for the song The Gambler. Is he like, is, that, is he a one-hit wonder, or is he like have a whole catalog that people like? No, he has a lot of other songs, and I don't know how many other original songs that he has, but he's sort of like a crossover uh, like, uh, you know, uh, adult contemporary country music uh, singer. He has a lot of covers. I feel like my parents used to have like a Kenny Rogers CD. So he has like a lot of songs that he does that I've also heard other people do. So I think he's uh, like almost a poor man sort of you know, Tony Bennett. No, but he's a country Tony Bennett also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's got a lot of different things that uh, that he covers. But The Gambler is uh, a big one. Uh, Lady, I think, is another one of his uh, big songs. He does Islands in the Stream with, I think that's with Dolly Parton. 
so he's got a few to, like different duets with people and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It sounds it's he sounds like justice to the gambler. He's like a, it sounds like a country music uh, Jimmy Buffett a little bit. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Somebody that he has a, a million songs. I'm just not sure how many of his hits are uh, originals in terms of like I'm sure he does like oh yeah big Christmas album. Trying to look at uh, the Kenny Rogers. Uh, he's 78. Yeah. Had a lot of plastic surgery, uh, Kenny Rogers. I think he's had some uh, health issues as well. Yeah, Lady, Islands in the Stream, The Gambler, The Coward of the County. Uh, through the Years is another She Believes in Me. We've got tonight also the, prefer the Bob Seger version of that, Lucille. Um, look at you with all these music takes. <laughs> look, if it's, as my wife would say, like, oh, old guy music. Uh, that's what I know about. Don't fall in love with a dreamer. Yeah. How many Chance the Rapper songs can you uh, can you name? Absolutely zero. All right. So, yeah. Kenny Rogers, expert, Chance the Rapper, none. Frank Ocean, zero. <laughs> Keith, don't, don't music shame me. <laughs> Do you, I, you don't love music the same way you don't love food. That's, that's, well, that's I, that I, I don't sure. love music. I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of the uh, audio talking than... Uh, a lot of music. And if anything, I'm listening to like a uh, Billy Joel Pandora station or something like that. Podcasts are your protests against music. You want everyone to be listening to talk instead of songs. I'm not protesting music, but I'm at a point where it's like, you know what? I give up. I can't keep up with, you know, all the music that's coming up. It is really hard. It is almost impossible to be like a music expert in 2016 or I guess it's 2017 now. Like there's so much stuff out there that uh you know it's it's it is very hard to keep track yeah i mean there's again this is a whole other podcast i don't need to get into okay this, but it's you know hard I'm, I'm not against the sound i'm against the fact that uh i can't keep up with it okay so anyway um we find out that also uh that jerry is headed out uh kramer has to help uh newman pick out a turtle yeah where does this go nowhere nowhere uh so we see jerry on the street he runs into his buddy, Seth, uh, and Jerry talks Seth into joining him for lunch, even though he has a meeting that they were friends at. Where did they go to school? Queens College. Queens College. OK. And so uh, they were both friends with Moochie, who unfortunately died. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry didn't even know that Moochie died, but apparently that was his. He's really friends with Moochie and Seth's just Moochie's friend. Yeah. Now, was George friends with Seth? I mean, George isn't on the street with them here, right? He's with Elaine. No. But the, the, the paths never cross with the, with the George and Seth thing. He had to at least know of them. Maybe George was close with Moochie, but never really met Seth. Yeah. Because he's like a third degree type of person. Yeah, I do like the name Moochie a lot, though. That is a good name. That is a good name. We never even see Jerry tell George he ran into Seth. No. No, I'm tr- I would say it happened off camera, but nothing happens off camera. Yeah. Okay. So... Elaine is at the store with George and she's buying up everything. And she says that this is a uh, business expense uh, because she asked him, what do you think about the catalog? It stinks. And she is just racking up this huge bill down comforter cookware. uh, And George puts on a big Russian hat and he puts it on the Peterman account as well. Yeah. Without asking about the price. Yes. um, I do like Elaine's line where she says to the woman who works in the store, uh, and some hair for my little friend over here. Yeah. I mean, I, the George and Elaine seem to be hanging out together a lot more than they used to be recently. Yes. After only a couple episodes ago that she said George was a bad seed. Nobody should be hanging out with him. She's spending a lot of time with him. Yeah. But in that episode, she also said they're very close friends. <laughs> I guess so. Even after she dropped his dad like a bag of dirt. I mean, that probably earned, you know, favor in the eyes of George Costanza. <laughs> 
I guess so. So we see Jerry and Seth at lunch. And Jerry is talking about how he almost had a TV show in Japan. And I like this little conversation this back and forth about Seth. It's like, okay, so so you, do you speak Japanese? You were going to do the show in English? And Jerry's like, yeah, we, we never thought about it that far. It is really mad. I wonder if someone was like, hey, we didn't tie together that loose end last week. Like, it, it, we didn't come up with it. We didn't think about it last week either. Like, what was this show going to be? They don't have English shows in Japan, do they? Mm, yeah. So Jerry isn't too uh, worried about it. Now, Seth works at a big investment firm, and they just got the Citibank account, and uh, they had a big meeting with them, and he just blew it off. And Jerry says, well, don't you think that was kind of important? Yeah, this Seth is very, uh, you know, uh, you know, easily uh, persuaded. I mean, the, Jerry, he's not even friends with Jerry. Jerry's yanking him off the street for lunch. Mm-hmm. Bad job, Seth. Yes. Um, and Citibank, did they dodge a bullet not working with Seth? I mean, if if he's so susceptible to peer pressure, then, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah, because J.P. Morgan Chase could come along and say, like, hey, we got something better than Citibank. And he dropped them like a, you know, like a bag of dirt in two <laughs> seconds. All right. So Jerry is talking with Elaine and she's describing the water pick that she got on the Peterman account. Keith, have you ever dabbled with a water pick? No, I don't even know what it is. Yeah, I think it's also uh, one of these things that's with the electric toothbrush. I think it's sort of like, uh, in, you know, a, instead of flossing, I think you can use the water pick to sort of like try to get stuff out from in between your teeth. Yeah, so it's it's in the it's in the floss category. It's in the floss category. I think that maybe the idea is that oh, floss can uh, really disrupt. Again, we need our dental correspondent to weigh in here. It's just another thing that big dentist is trying to get you to buy. Yeah, well, I don't know if they're still trying to get you to buy the water pick. I'm not sure if that's still in vogue. Yeah, my neighbor's a dentist. I'm going to ask him tomorrow if people are still buying water pick. Let me go on Amazon real quick and see if you can get, uh, you know, what a water pick is going for, whether they've got like some sort of Oral-B new version water pick. Seems very messy, the water pick. Yeah, I mean, what what do you, once you already like brush and like, uh, and use floss, what else do you need? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Do you dabble in any of these uh, dental appliances? Well, I mean, I brush my teeth. I have a toothbrush. Well, but do you have an electric toothbrush? <laughs> I we yeah, I have a regular and an electric. Yeah, do you use the electric? I like it, but then like they die, and I don't get a new one. Yeah, I have the electric, and then I was into it for a while, but then I've gone back to just the convenience of the manual. Yeah, they don't. They, I've found that I've never had one that lasts too long. The electric toothbrushes. I feel like I go to it for like a special occasion. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then my kids will probably like knock into a toilet and not tell me or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the water pick uh, is available on Amazon. But again, it seems very messy, the water pick. So (laughs) we find out that these expenses are really supposed to be for business only as the accountant for Jay Peterman ends up buzzing into Elaine. Uh, This accountant has so much power at the Peterman company. It's insane. Can't even be fired by the president, the accountant. Yes, and Elaine gives the question, wait, hold on, I'm the president. Isn't the president allowed to do anything they want? Apparently, at Jay Peterman, they are not. I mean, right. President, first of all, obviously, she is a boss. Whatever, whatever, you know, Peterman, if he's the CEO, like, he's, on, he's ahead of her. But she's essentially the acting number one, right? Like, why, unless this is like an independent audit, like, why is this guy, why does he have any authority? He's supposed to be on her team. Hmm. Is he accountable to the shareholders more so than her? I mean, I don't know. He sounds like a mole on the inside. If that's mm-hmm. the case. You got to get rid of this guy. Yeah. So Elaine is upset. She hangs up the phone. Jerry ends up uh, inadvertently uh, the only person left on the call. 
So we see Jerry in Monks with George, who comes in wearing the big Russian hat. Uh, Jerry says to him, why didn't you get the big one? Yeah, I wonder what the fake hat cost, because the real one is $8,000. The prop hat, you mean? Yeah, like, did they make it, or did they, like, buy it from, like, a fancy Russian hat store? Yeah. And if so, like, I wonder what it cost. I suspect that this was a prop hat because it's so big. Right, I don't think anyone really wears it. Maybe, like, the, like, the king of Russia would wear it, but not, like, the... You know, like a commoner. It's too big. Yeah, that's a very big hat. So uh, George says that the hat just bottles in all of the heat at the top of your head. You don't even need a jacket. Keith, is that more convenient to wear the giant hat than to wear a jacket? Is it more convenient? Yeah. Is there any upside to wearing the giant hat instead of a jacket? Um, I mean, the, if it's cold outside, the, the second you get in, the, the hat is going to be like a zillion degrees. The hat is you're not going to be able to wear the hat inside. Mm-hmm. So I, I the hat, and the hat's not comfortable. I feel like it'll you'll have a, like a hat that big. Like when I go, if I wear a hat out and I come inside, I take it off right away because you have like a headache. Mm-hmm. A hat that big, you'll be like dead. You'll have like four migraines from that hat. Four migraines from the hat. Yeah, it's a migraine hat. Migraine hat. Oh my god. So uh, George has also uh, heard back from the woman who works at the store and who has a little bit of a Marissa Tomei thing going on allegedly. And that he is going to go and go on a date with her. Uh, well, he has a type, the Tomei type. Yes. And uh, too bad he has a little bit of uh, George Costanza thing going on is what Jerry says. And so the thing about George that we set up here in this episode is that he gets stuck in people's head. He's like a commercial jingle, he says. First, he's a little irritating. Then you hear it a few times. And then you hum it in the shower. And by the third date, it's by Menin. Keith, is Menin still a thing? I don't know, but the, the you know, the millennial listeners who don't know what that was, that was really an earworm. That, that commercial was everywhere. Yes. And so Menin, I guess, were the makers of Speed Stick? Yeah, deodorant of some kind. Yes, yes. Uh, let me see. Let me, I have an 18-second uh, commercial here on YouTube of uh, Speed Stick. Hmm. Power. I want it here. I want it in my antiperspirant. Speed Stick has the most powerful wetness fighter you can buy. Nothing fights wetness and odor better. The Wide Stick. The most powerful you can buy. Speed Stick antiperspirant. By Menin. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess that's catchy. I don't know what Menin was. It has like some sort of like Procter & Gamble uh, competitor. Yeah, it's, Col- it's Colgate Palmolive. Now it's owned by Colgate Palmolive. Uh, it seems like they are phasing the name out of the U.S. Yes. Okay. So they spent all this money getting by men in embedded into everybody's brain, and they're just walking away from it. Yeah. I mean, you can't compete with Axe in 2017. <laughs> yes. So, so in this episode, uh, we're gonna hear the Costanza uh, a number of times. Yeah. No, I do like they did tie that in well together. That is smart. Yeah. And so George says that if there's any doubt, he's gonna get the future dates. As Jerry asks him, "What do you do if you're not gonna get the later dates?" He does the leave behind, and then he goes and picks it up. And that's late date number three. Jerry says that's so old. Why don't you show up at her door on a wood horse? Yeah, it, I mean, I feel like it's almost been mentioned before in the series. It is so old. Um, but I, it, I, the truth is, I feel like it's it's an oldie, but it's goodie. Like that would still work. It would still you do want to leave. You do want to leave stuff at the per- people's house to like, uh, you know, weasel your way in. Yeah. So what do you do? You leave your phone behind? No. Well, you can't leave your phone behind in this in this like 2017 world. That's insane. Yeah, so you'd be lost without it. Maybe like a sec, a sec, uh, you know, a, a second set of keys, and you say that's my keys. I I forgot my keys. Um, that's a good one. Maybe like a, like a like a computer case, but not your computer. I don't know. Computer case. 
I don't know. Let's say like, oh, I forgot it. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I don't know. What's a, what's a good thing to leave at? Like, and by the way, it works with guy friends, too. Like, you want to hang out with this guy again. You want to hang out with this you, guy again? Yeah, it works with guy friends. You were like, hey, I, you know, it gives me an excuse to come back on Sunday, watch some football with him. Yeah, like some guy has like the best big screen TV and you got like a one time invite to his place. Yeah. And then you, you like leave it and you come back again and, uh, uh, you know, you're watching next Sunday, too. I think it's Boom. a good idea. OK, so Jerry goes back to his apartment and he's humming the by Menon and he sees like a red laser coming out of Kramer's apartment. And uh, we see that there's this light from Kramer's apartment. The chicken roaster light is uh, just uh, like beaming through Kramer's apartment. Uh, yeah, they made that light like cartoon style. I mean, I'm not complaining, but that is a strong light. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kramer says your friend Seth came by. He got fired from his job. Poor Seth. Yes, poor Seth. Uh, that he ends up losing his job in investment banking and then working later, we'll find at Kenny Rogers Roaster. I mean, listen, missing one meeting doesn't get you fired. It has to be the final straw. Either you were doing a bad job or this is the 80th time you've been late or missed a meeting. Yeah. There's I mean, nobody gets fired for missing one meeting. Seth does seem like somebody who is making questionable decisions. Yeah. I mean, he makes a questionable decision here. It's, you know, it's not like uh, we should feel bad for him, but it's not like Jerry put a gun to his head and said, you better come, you know, to the restaurant and have lunch with me. Like, this is clearly someone who has made mistakes before. Yeah, but maybe they they did it for Moochie. <laughs> they kept him on for Moochie? Yes. No, they <laughs> they went to lunch for Moochie. Oh, they went to. Yeah, it was it was an honor Moochie. I mean, but if you're if it's a one time thing, you could say, like, you know, I uh, I had to help an old lady go to the hospital. You know, like there's excuses where if you've never had an excuse before, they'll believe you. Mm hmm. All right, so we go to Elaine with Roger, the accountant, and uh, she's trying to say that the uh, goose down comforter is a tunic. Uh, the water pick is to water her flowers. And it seems like, is she out of the woods here a little bit other than the hat? The hat is the big issue, which is crazy because the hat is, it's totally reasonable that she would buy this hat. She works at a fashion company. Mm -hmm. You know, like the water pick or whatever they're buying, like that has no useful, you know, there's no Water value plants. Yeah. The well, I mean, the, what what do plants have to do with anything? <laughs> so they're nice on her desk, but I'm OK, maybe. But like the the hat is the most reasonable purchase, maybe the most expensive. But like it's such a reasonable purchase. It doesn't make sense that this is her downfall here. Mm hmm. Yeah. And the confusing thing to me is that, you know, Roger is like, I need to see the sable hat you purchased. And Elaine's like, why do you want to see the hat? Is like, well, because it costs eight thousand dollars. And the whole episode, he's like, well, I need to see the hat. Why does he need to see the hat? The hat cost $8,000. I think that the question is, why did you spend $8,000 on the hat? Just because she can produce the hat doesn't really change anything in my mind. Right. It's like, oh, I need to know it's a business expense. But like, she's just going to bring it to work for one afternoon and then bring it home. If it was a personal, you know, purchase, it doesn't really work. But maybe, you know, he's an accountant. He's not a... Uh, he he's a letter of the law guy. He's not he's not into like reading it and analyzing the rules. He's just following them as, you know, to a T. I mean, but what is he accounting that the fact that he is questioning whether this was a legitimate business expense? I mean, is there some question of whether Elaine is just sort of laundering money through this clothing store and that there right. actually was no hat and she just billed eight thousand dollars to them and then like on the side they gave her back the eight thousand dollars in cash yeah no it it doesn't make sense but again he's not in charge he's just he needs to account for everything so i guess he needs to see that 
maybe take a picture of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I agree. It's, it's weird that he's so hung up on the hat. Yeah. All right. We see Jerry in his apartment with Seth and he wants to know, why did you have lunch with me if you had this important meeting? Uh, and Seth says, because they were college buddies. And Jerry says, it was only because I knew you through Moochie. And so he ends up grabbing the paper. He needs the want ads. This is maybe the meanest thing Jerry does in the whole series. Yes, that he says he that- got his friend fired and he won't even literally he won't give him like the New York Times that has like the the, the job ads because he hasn't read a comic book yet. <laughs> yeah, from what I understand in the notes about nothing, I think that this was a scene that was added in that I think they had a scene of George on the date uh, with uh, the woman that ended up getting cut. And I think this was uh, one of the things they replaced it with. Are you familiar with Tank McNamara? No. Is it a thing? I, I got the sense from the notes about nothing. It wasn't a real thing. It is. He was a it's a real cartoon. Uh, he's like a football player in the cartoon. OK. Uh, the strip debuted in 1974 and uh, it stopped in November 2012. No, I think that the guy who did it died, but it still exists. Somebody took over for him. OK. All right. You like Tank McNamara? It seems like it's. I know. I, I I only know it from. It wasn't in like Newsday. I got mm-hmm. all my all my cartoons from Newsday growing up. They had a good like they had color cartoons on Sunday. Yes. They had like six pages of them. They had a really good cartoon section when we were growing up. Who do you like, um, Ziggy? I like Ziggy. I was a big Peanuts guy. They had Archie on Sunday. They didn't have him during the week. They had a lot more on Sunday also. So you didn't know what was going on the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. You just got them. But I think a lot of them were standalone. A lot of the Sunday onlys were standalone. Yeah. Zitz. Zitz. You don't remember Zitz? No. Farside. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the Kathy? Kathy's always complaining. Yeah. She's Farside used to be big. They used to have like T-shirts and stuff, Farside. A few of those. Uh, Calvin Hobbes used to be really big with the T-shirts, Farside. I feel like all these comics, with the death of newspapers, these things really started struggling. Yeah. So what? where are they? They're on the internet now? A lot of them are on the internet. I mean, the newspapers still exist. I think some newspapers probably still have comics. Right. But do they still make Calvin and Hobbes? Like, what is, like, if you went to, like, the page with the crossword puzzle, are there still comics there? In certain papers. I remember, the, like, being upset the Times never had them because the Times was too fancy for comics. Mm-hmm. No, Calvin, Calvin and Hobbes, I think, stopped uh, a long time ago, it looks like. Yeah, if I got a copy of Newsday and went to part two... And mm-hmm. would I still have comics there? I, I wonder if they still call part two even. I don't I don't there know. There was a story. Newsday Newsday went to um Newsday went to like uh paywall for the whole site. Yeah. Like seven years ago. And there was some report that like thirty five people paid for it. Mm-hmm. Like on Earth. You know, I mean if you got the paper, anyone who wants the news Newsday, I think, had access to it because you buy the paper. So like anyone who didn't have Newsday would have no interest in it. So literally they had like they sold like 30 copies of 30, you know, <laughs> allegedly, like this, this could be fake allegedly. News. Yeah. But it's like still the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, going back to uh, the apartment, we see Kramer coming in and Jerry wants to know what's life like on the red planet. I mean, it is really red. That room It is really, really red. And so Kramer is having a hard time that uh, he goes into Jerry's kitchen to get something to eat. And he gets cereal and he pours a bowl of cereal and then he ends up taking out a pitcher of tomato juice and pours the tomato juice into the cereal and tries to eat it. And uh, he is horrified. He thought that that was milk. His rods and cones are all screwed up. He's seeing red everywhere. So, what you know, seeing the red tomato juice doesn't do anything for him. Yes. Uh, and then he cleans it with a rag and then squeezes the rag back into the tomato juice, and puts the pitcher away. Uh, 
First off, Keith, before we get into Kramer wanting to move in with Jerry, why on earth does Jerry have a half gallon of tomato juice in a pitcher in his refrigerator? I don't know. It's weird, right? Tomato juice in general should not be in anybody's fridge because it's gross. I mean, is he having some sort of a brunch where he is serving Bloody Marys in the next 12 hours? I mean, is it healthy? Is tomato juice healthy? Nobody just drinks tomato juice. I mean, I feel like that it only exists that maybe you might put it in a sauce or... I, I, I'm, I've, I'm sure somebody drinks it, but Jerry has never once asked for tomato juice in the nine years of Seinfeld. Uh, he is not a Bloody Mary maker or drinker. There is no explanation why Jerry has a pitcher of tomato juice in his refrigerator. Yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know. It's one of the most unexplainable things in the entire show. <laughs> this could be someone wrote in. I think Jeff P wrote in this week and said he's going to see Jerry. And he wanted to know if we had one question. Sometimes he does Q&A at the end. If we had one question for him, what should it be? Ask this. So, yes. There you go. Yes. Why did Jerry have a pitcher of tomato juice in his refrigerator in the chicken roasters? I actually think you'd be ejected for asking that question. Yes. yes. Jerry has no sense of humor about stuff like that. Jerry's it. Take him away. Take him away. <laughs> 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 so Framer says he needs to move in with Jerry. I, this whole thing is also inexplicable. Yes. Like Jerry agreeing to this, Jerry like even entertaining it. It it really I, I feel like it could have been firmed up a little bit more. Yes. Uh so he needs to move in with him. Uh we need to switch apartments and uh Jerry says, Oh yeah, why not? Why don't uh, you know, let's just take down the walls and then you can have this whole place and uh Kramer as a uh, a good line, even though what Jerry says is uh, kind of out there. He says, Jerry, these are load-bearing walls. You can't take these down. Right, like he was actually considering it, but realized it's impossible. Yeah. Kramer needs to do something. Uh, he's taken into the streets like we did in the 60s. Yeah, so, I mean, y- we see in a season nine episode, like Kramer leads an actual strike in a protest. But here it's, uh, here this is a one-man protest. Yeah. This is interesting uh, to me to imagine like the Seinfeld prequel of young Kramer in the 60s and the things that he might have been involved with. That, by the way, that's probably the best Seinfeld spinoff idea. Young Kramer. Young Kramer, the you know, 20 year old Kramer. So what I mean, how old do we think that Kramer is here in 1996? Uh, he's about 40. Yeah. I mean, is he young Maybe enough 38. to be a rabble rouser from the 60s? He's very precocious. Yeah. So how old do you uh, think he is in 96? Well, if he's only 40 in 96, then he, yeah, I mean, he could have been, uh, he could have been 13. So let's say he's 42, maybe. Mm-hmm. And he would have been like 15. Yeah, 15, he could have been a rabble rouser. Okay. So that's, how about that's, this? Yeah. How about this? We do like a double block. We get the young Pope and then young Kramer as like a back-to-back <laughs> on, uh, what's that, on Showtime later this yeah. year. Yeah. I think also uh, probably just as interesting uh, Kramer now just follow up with him uh, like where is he in the current uh, political climate where is the the character Cosmo Kramer yes yes I feel like he was a big Bernie guy <laughs> yeah um, but now where is he now yes good question I could see him maybe he's on board with Trump or I could see him that he's way off board with Trump yeah he, right right like or or maybe like he was on board but then like Trump screwed over Bob Sacamano in a big way. Yeah, I do think that there is some sort of uh, connection between, uh, you know, their paths have crossed in New York at some point. The problem with the old Kramer pitch is that um, 
I just there's it's too tied into Michael Richards stuff. Right, 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 right. But right, the, like, that's why I think if we was if I was like a TV executive, you're coming in, I'd need the young Kramer. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. do old Kramer. Yes, no, I, I was just saying it'd probably be fascinating to uh, think about where sure. that is. Uh, but yeah, young. It might Kramer, be sad. He might be, like Kramer as a forty year old is funny. Kramer doing the same stuff at sixty, like mooching off the neighbors, might be pathetic. Yeah possibly all right so we see george coming back from his date with the woman from the clothing store she clearly doesn't like him she's trying to get rid of him uh he throws his keys to do the leave behind uh she spots it immediately and says hey uh you left your keys she gets on a phone call he takes the sable hat and puts it behind a couch cushion and uh runs out yeah i mean again he doesn't know that the sable hat cost eight thousand dollars to begin with yeah. Also, his key his key throw is ludicrous, right? It's like the most blatant. It's loud. You know, yeah. yeah. He should have had something planned beforehand that he was going to leave. He throws his keys the way an NFL coach throws the red challenge flag. Especially, what about the ones who are like, have that stuck in their pants and they can't yeah. get Yeah. <laughs> he does drop a co-stanza. Yeah, she is super not interested in him. Mm-hmm. So we go to George in the office with Elaine, and he's looking at the butterflies on Elaine's wall and says to her, you think those uh, are real? So does he think that they used to be real, or he thinks that they're actually alive? I don't know. Sometimes we get, like, really dumb George. I'm not sure. It's it like seems like a, a weird request. thing, a new thing even here in season eight. Yeah, it's like, let's make Larry. I, I, here's what I think it might have been. George is Larry. So when Larry was there, George needs to be a little smarter. Now that Larry's gone... You can make George a little bit Kramerish, a little bit dumber. Yeah, because the 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 Larry def- the George Defender is out of the building. Yeah, you think that Larry would say George would never think that. Yeah, it's possible. Okay, so Lane needs the hat. George left it at Heather's, and he tells her that you know we need the hat back. So he tells her, "Watch the magic." Uh, he <laughs> she does tell him to dial nine Merlin to get out, and he calls her and. She claims that she does not have the hat. Yeah, she doesn't know about the hat. No hat there. Yes, there's no hat here. Uh, and uh, she ends up hanging up. It's a big hat also. You'd notice if it was in the apartment. You would notice that. We never find out what happened to the hat in this episode. Okay, Dave. so we don't find out. I think it's strange that they didn't do it, but I also don't think it's a huge mystery. Okay, what she do you think did say She said two things. There's, I think there's two options. Either A, right, she had the party. And people were in the house, so one of them saw it behind the, uh, maybe someone she didn't know was at the party, saw it behind the pillow and just took it. Or B, she says the maid was there. So either the, someone at the party took it or the maid took it. So I agree it's weird that, that we didn't just, like, see someone wearing on the street. But now, is that too close to the dry cleaners where we see the dry cleaner wearing his coat? Like, maybe it's the same joke we've done one or two times before. Yeah, where my you mind know? was going with this was that this woman works in the store where they sell this very hat she knows the monetary value of this hat my first thought would be that she takes it back to the store and refunds it and gets eight thousand dollars in her pocket though at the end of the episode when she ends up falling for george you would think that she would reveal that and not keep it a secret but she seems sincere that she has feelings for George at the end of the episode and doesn't mention anything about the hat and seems still like, wait, what? You thought I was bringing you the hat? Uh, she seems like she's really still confused about the hat stuff. Yeah, no, I don't think she could. She would not admit to stealing an $8,000 hat from George. That would be crazy, right? Mm-hmm. George admitted to staying the, the clock, but he's nuts. Yeah, but she seems oblivious to the fact that the hat's even missing still. Right, that's true. Yes, that's why 
I think the maid probably took it. She has no guilty conscience about the hat at any point. I mean, could they have written in some sort of like Russian dude who took the hat and is what, what you know, like something with Kenny Rogers or something? But I, I'm not sure. What it would be. <laughs> yeah, the hat uh, maybe it looks a lot like Kenny Rogers' beard. Maybe uh, that Kenny Rogers accidentally shaved his beard off and he needed uh, a new beard to walk around with. Like some some like bum gives it to Seth because like Seth looks he's like you're in worse shape than me and he gives it to Seth now that Seth has no job since Kenny Rogers closed. <laughs> Maybe. All right. So we now see Jerry walking down the street past Kenny Rogers Roasters. And we see Seth. He's the new manager at Kenny Rogers Roasters. He's taking out the trash. Yeah. Very sad to see this, Seth. How, how far the mighty have fallen. Kind of sad also that Kenny Rogers Roasters needs to take out the trash from the restaurant to like some like street garbage can. Listen, I mean, what do you what do you want them to do? Like, where should they be putting their garbage? They don't have a dumpster. I mean, it's hard to have space in Manhattan, even in your inside your restaurant. It's space is really so. Uh, restaurants have to take their trash and throw them in the trash can on the street. I think they usually do it in the back because you don't want to trot. You don't want to like bring all the garbage through the restaurant. It's not nice. Yeah. Okay. So we see Kramer has made a banner out of like a bed sheet that says uh, "bad chicken" and he's yelling about the bad chicken. And we have a line that gets repeated uh, a couple times here in the episode. And Seth says, that's not going to be good for business. And Jerry adds, that's not going to be good for anybody. Yeah, it's funny. I'm not sure why they like use it as a catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. Well, they invert it, I think, at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a theme. Yeah. Okay. So we go back upstairs. Uh, Jerry and Kramer are officially switching apartments. Kramer's bringing in all of his stuff. He's got all of the, you know, Fusilli Jerry and the macaroni core four on the table we see kramer has a really large what would you call this a puppet a marionette a dummy yeah, like a giant puppet basically yeah, like a ventriloquist dummy yeah and so uh that's mr marbles yeah very scary mr marbles horrifying he's like chucky yeah and so jerry also says one other thing i don't want newman using my and then newman comes out of the bathroom and he says uh you got a place kramer where a man can really get some thinking done yeah i mean i can't believe there was no a no newman clause in in this deal but, Keeve, you know, we've talked a lot about bathrooms over the eight seasons of Seinfeld that we've talked about. Could you imagine a scenario? You're Newman. Your own bathroom is two doors down. Why on earth would you want to go to the bathroom at Jerry's apartment? Is it just to sort of mark your territory? I think so. I think, he, yeah, he's going to the bathroom to, like, spite the person who was there before him. <laughs> the spite bathroom trip. I don't think yeah. I've ever done the spite bathroom trip. No. It's in the news a lot. <laughs> all right <laughs> so <laughs> jerry goes back next door uh to the uh chicken supernova and he puts on like these big blue blockers uh to go in there and so newman uh is now eating the kenny rogers roasters did newman wash his hands i mean he could have like there's a sink in the bathroom right possible i don't think we heard it we just heard the toilet flush oh that's true it's a, it's a little too quick from flush to be out of, out of the bathroom, right? Yeah. Like, Newman could definitely be a not hand washer. That's not out of the. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Okay, so he's eating uh, this box of Kenny Rogers roasters, and uh, Newman says that Kenny Rogers makes a pretty strong bird, but Kramer is boycotting it. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you hate the if you hate the uh, restaurant, you can't eat their chicken. It's terrible. But Kramer can't resist the hickory uh, that has smoked this chicken. It's the wood that makes it good, according to Newman. And Kramer tries it, and he loves it. Yeah, he really does not put up a fight, even. He goes straight to it. He's got no moral backbone. He goes right for it. Okay, so 
Now we see Elaine dragging George back to Heather's apartment. She's dragging him in by his ear. And again, this is a little bit more like shades of Elaine with the uh, woman who worked for her, where she's kind of like the parent of George or like the parent dealing with George. Uh, I mean, yeah, that is a good, you know, it's like she is like George's big sister or mommy here. Yeah. And so she's dragging him in by the ear and says, I'm a friend of George Costanza's. And George had this pathetic little plan. He was going to leave something at his apartment to weasel a second date. Um, and she needs the hat back. Uh, she's going on. I like the part where she says, um, look, I know you told him you don't have the hat because you didn't want to see him again. And more sympathetic, I could not be. <laughs> but I really need to have the hat back. I'd like to get my hat back, please. Yeah, she's really leveling with her, like woman to woman here. I like this Elaine scene. Yes. And she says, look. I don't have the hat. Uh, yeah, at this point, like, she wants George out of the picture so much. Like, even if she had found it, she would just give it back to him just to get him away. The crazy part to me is that Elaine says to her, then I guess you wouldn't mind if we had a look around. Uh, what are they, Dragnet coming in uh, to yeah. doing some, like, a, do you have a warrant? This, But this really lends credence to the idea that she has nothing to do with the hat. Yeah. She's like, you're just crazy. I don't mind you walking around because, like, it's not here. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I've already returned it to the store and gotten the $8,000. <laughs> Well, maybe she would be nervous about the receipt. No, if she was guilty of that, she would not have let them walk around. Okay. Even if that's not there. So she lets them in. She says, be my guest. Uh, and then moments later, we see them walk out of her apartment. George says she's bluffing. She's got that hat stashed away. Uh, it's, it's funny she thinks that. I mean, there aren't really a lot of clues that would say that. But yeah, what are you going to do? Elaine says this is an absolute disaster. I think there's also a cut line here from the notes about nothing. But Elaine is worried she's going to be fired. I mean, that's a real concern, right? That she is about to be fired. Yeah. And so George says, okay, well, we got something. And he takes out a clock that she had from her apartment. And uh, Elaine says, uh, you stole her clock? Uh, I, I mean, really, the clock stealing is insane. Like, George, I, I, I just think it, he escalated it too much. Like, he's so sure that she took it. I don't, I don't really get it. Yeah. So he's going to play her game, just like with the photo store. Kramer said, hey, this is the art of seduction. You have to, you know, dance the dance if you want to get with the woman from the photo store. He is applying that advice here to trying to steal the clock. It sounds like a Kenny Rogers song. Got to dance the dance if you want to get with the woman in the photo <laughs> store. The art of seduction, I believe it's called. Okay, so Kramer has an odd way of eating chicken in the episode that he like is in Jerry's bed eating the chicken and is just like, like bouncing and bopping back and forth as he just is eating chicken and like throwing the bones all around and wiping his fingers on Jerry's sheets. Yeah. He's really a disgusting pig. What's your, uh, what's your take on bed? No, eating? I'm v highly against it. Yeah. I mean, you're a clean guy, right? You're like pretty neat. and clean. I'm not necessarily like a major germaphobe or a nut, but I'd like to try to keep food out of my bed if I can. What about bedroom? Uh, again, why, why are we, why are we, uh, eating anything in the bedroom? Why? I mean, I once had a place where like, I like the TV in the bedroom. So in, in my old apartment, I would. I would eat in the bedroom sometimes because I like to eat while I watch TV. And that was like a mm -hmm. bit of television. And here I, you know, uh, I eat like all my meals at my at my desk in the office. Like three mm -hmm. meals a day, basically. Do you get crumbs all over everything? Uh, on my desk, we'll have like apple cores sometimes. And I'll clean mm -hmm. it up every yeah, I don't like period. to eat at my desks. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm a little messier. But I, I, I do think that like at this point, I can, I'm not even hungry if there's no TV <laughs> around. 
Like I, I, I it's like Pavlo. I need like to be able to watch a show while yeah. I eat. <laughs> All right. So we end up with Kramer is like bopping away, eating all the chicken. And uh, we then see Jerry, who is uh, trying to sleep in Kramer's apartment. Is Jerry sleeping in Kramer's bed? I mean, there aren't a lot of options in Kramer's apartment. It's a small apartment, right? It's got Jerry would stay in a hotel before he slept in Kramer's bed. I mean, that's just like what he says. He, he implies at the beginning of the episode he'd rather stay on the street in the Central, Central yeah. Park than. You know, it doesn't make any sense why he's agreed to the yeah. switch, right? Um, we hear Jerry's thoughts. He says, oh, what is that creaking? It's like I'm in the hold of a ship. He's got to relax. Uh, and then he hears like footsteps and thinks, uh, is that Mr. Marbles? I mean, at about two o'clock the first night, this experiment mm-hmm. would have been over. Okay, so we have a funny scene now where Kramer is in his apartment. He is now sort of like dressed like Jerry. He's talking with Elaine giving her advice. She doesn't know what to do with uh, Mr. Ipswich. And uh, Kramer says, uh, very matter of fact, well, you should sleep with him. It is. It's good advice. (laughs) Okay. So Jerry comes in and does like a really big Kramer entrance. So he says, I'm on no sleep, no sleep. Yeah. And this is really the highlight of the whole episode. Jerry does such a great job doing Kramer and vice versa. It's really something that at the time I loved and I feel like it still holds up. He says, uh, you don't know what it's like in there. Everything's creeping and cracking. There's a red light burning in my brain. <laughs> and Elaine says to him, uh, you look stressed. He's like, oh, I'm stressed. I mean, this is the best acting of the whole series. No, it's really time. good. And so Elaine says that if they don't have a fur hat by four o'clock, they're going to take me down like Nixon. Again, they love Nixon on this show. Old presidents, Nixon Kennedy references. They're out there. Right, everywhere. right. Yeah, uh, that they, a, lot of, uh, a lot of presidential historians in the writer's room. And so Jerry says, do you know my friend Bob Sacamano? Now, Elaine says, I thought he was Kramer's friend. Hold on, Elaine. I thought you, you wanted to, like two weeks ago, go to Bob Sacamano's party. Yeah, and Jerry went and George went. So it's totally reasonable for Jerry to say it's my friend. Although maybe it's reasonable that George, Jer- Elaine doesn't realize that Jerry and Bob are close. But clearly, if Jerry's going to Bob's party, it's not just the 3 a.m. phone mm-hmm. call, right? Like, it's a little bit yeah. of a mistake. You're right. All right. So 3 a.m., Bob Sacramento called, and uh, he sells Russian hats at Battery Park for 40 bucks. I said Central Park earlier in the episode, so bad job by me. And so Elaine says, are they sable? Jerry says, uh, no, but the difference is negligible. Yeah, negligible difference between the $40 rat hat and the $8,000 sable. Okay, so they're going to go, and Jerry says, uh, giddy up. So the rat hats are in play. By the way, Jerry saying giddy up made me realize Kramer doesn't say giddy up. Then. He doesn't. I don't think so. Like, I, I'm not I'm not saying you shouldn't say it. It's just like I I wonder how many times in the series Kramer says giddy up. It's really, I think, less right, well, let's than keep a think. counter on it as we move forward. Also, uh, Kramer says, oh, yeah, I like this idea. He's very much playing the Jerry Which is part. exactly exactly <laughs> what Jerry would say. Yeah. Well, you know, it's easy just to like write the scene backwards in terms of like what would Kramer say? What would Jerry say? And then just like switch the names around. You're right, but then the actors have to pull it yeah, off. They and do they a did. very good job. Okay, so after Jerry and Elaine leave, Newman comes out. He was just like uh, holding in up in the corner with all of this chicken, and then uh, they're going just like uh, going through all of the Kenny Rogers roasters. It does look delicious, by the way. This chicken it, it made me good. hungry. Newman wants to know why do we have to keep this a secret from Jerry? And Kramer says that if we don't, then we'll have to switch back apartments. Yeah, are there Star Wars references in this? In this um, episode? I don't believe so. Why? I mean, like, so I meant Superman. Is it a lot of super? Like, is this a Superman reference? He's like uh, back in the Red Menace, and 
I feel like isn't like red bad. In no, Superman well, or? that the, Superman gets his powers from the yellow sun of the Earth, where Krypton had a red sun, I believe. Uh, and so that this sun is different; it gives him superpowers. I believe that the red menace is a reference to communism, Keith. Yeah, that's I know that's a, I understand that's a Russian yes. thing. But. And so I think that yeah, when they talk about the red sun, I think that is a Superman reference. I'm not sure what part of the episode they say that. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we see Elaine back with the accountant. Uh, he says, no, this is a rat hat. Not only does Robert Roger Ipswich have full control over the company. He's also the most knowledgeable person about fashion at the J.P. <laughs> yes. catalog. Not like how could you imagine the accountant correcting the president of a well, fashion I guess he company? Could be an accountant the style anywhere. of that. But, I mean, his love of fashion has led him to be the accountant at J. Peterman. I guess. But uh, it just seems like it's yeah. insane. And so he says, not only is it a rat hat, it's also a poorly made one at that. Uh, yeah. Again, like, that's that's a little bit too much editorializing from you. Mr. Even by rat hat standards, he says. <laughs> <laughs> He's a rat hat expert. Roger. Yes. Expert. And so he is going to recommend Elaine's prompt termination only Jay Peterman himself could save her now. Yeah, I like that she tries to fire him and yes. he doesn't let her. Yes, can I fire you? No. All right. So Kramer is now still in the Jerry persona uh, with George. I actually uh, have a complaint that later on, like, Jerry just drops the Kramer persona. He's really only Kramer for one scene. Yes. Uh, maybe it's too hard for him to act like Kramer. But Michael Richards, okay. a more skilled So actor. I think it's easier to be Jerry than to be Kramer also. That's true. It's more subtle for Jerry, but... Um, you know, Jerry is not his acting chops aren't. aren't okay, so George and Kramer are eating, and so they're talking. Kramer is very calm and and Jerry like, and so he has the clock, and he wants to uh, tell Kramer about this message he got from Heather, where she said, "Call me if you have the time." You get it? Yeah, it's a clue. Yes. Uh, she knows I have the clock. I know she has the hat. We're gonna make the exchange, Kramer says of course there's a possibility you've gone right out of your mind yeah i mean have it's not like this is some like random thing like call me if you have the time is a pretty standard yes, expression, but right? that it is not standard to have stolen a clock so he is uh putting it all together yes this is just confirmation bias for him that he thinks she's thinking about it so she yeah she is. and so that <laughs> george says he can't talk to jerry anymore ever since he moved into the apartment he's too much like you kramer adds uh that's a shame that's a shame Jerry catchphrase. All right. So we go back to Jerry visiting Seth at Kenny Rogers Roasters. Wants to see if he can turn off the sign. It turns out he cannot because he's only an assistant manager. He's not even the real manager. That makes me sad. Yeah. Poor Seth. Now, do you think that this was another poor decision on Seth's part to take the job uh, at Kenny Rogers Roasters like a day after being fired from his investment banking job oh definitely yeah like like he, he did not go on one interview right right, right. i mean i don't know how tight he, things are with him with money that he needed the money, and i don't want to disparage anybody that works in the uh food services but i feel like he hurts his chances to get another investment banking job by then complete maybe he wanted to be out of that whole industry maybe he didn't like where it was going but it seems odd that if he wants to be an investment banker why he would take an assistant manager position working in fast food or I mean, good food quickly. Yeah, I it, it's a good point. And also, like, he's definitely getting a severance for being fired from his company. Right. 
So it's not like the, the, the well is run dry. Like he made just as much money today as he thought he was going to before he was fired. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe this is just a passion project for him. Perhaps. Maybe he needed to get out of the game. Maybe it was all just his mind was trying to, you know, the whole time sabotage his career. It's possible. I think the, uh, I, you know, some people were just born to uh, work at Kenny Rogers. They'd probably get a nice discount on that delicious chicken. Possibly. He might be a huge Kenny Rogers fan, too. That's po- I mean, I don't think you meet Kenny Rogers. If you, you don't know that. Man. I, I think, like, all the managers get to meet Kenny Rogers at, like, the retreat. big national... <laughs> Yeah, like the big national retreat every year. Okay, so he's given out the orders, and they call in uh, number 67, which is Newman, and then he uh, realizes that they forgot your steamed broccoli, and Jerry realizes, hold on, Newman, you wouldn't eat broccoli if it was deep fried in chocolate sauce. Uh, Newman tries to sell Jerry that he loves broccoli. It's good for you, and Jerry forces him to eat it, uh, and Newman takes a bite and he can't keep it down and has uh, a famous Newman line for him. Vile weed. Yeah, there's a famous line. It, what's funny is like, especially for the younger millennial listeners, like broccoli was like, if you were going to give an example in the nineties of like a bad food, especially a food that kids hated, you'd use broccoli, yeah. right? Well, I think it really started to take on a life of its own. I believe that George HW Bush famously hated broccoli i think that that was one of the things about him and so i think that that's sort of like uh that maybe i don't know if that was a humanizing thing that he wanted out there about how much he hates Mm. broccoli but i think that broccoli is kind of a funny word also so a lot of talk about broccoli being bad or maybe the broccoli lobby just really stepped up its game in the 2000s yeah the broccoli lobby has really done a good job the pretzel lobby probably hurting after george w yes but the broccoli the, the broccoli uh, the broccoli lobby, like it went from being a food that was unappetizing to like, I, my, we went with that same restaurant where the lady uh, deceived me into ordering like four little pieces of ravioli. My son just ordered broccoli. They had like, uh, like on the appetizer list, they had like bro- broccoli with something on it. That was like what he wanted. And he's a three-year-old. Yes. Wow. First thing, I mean, he, in fairness, he asked for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which they didn't serve at like a, at like a pasta place. But yeah, uh, I just did a quick search of George H.W. Bush of uh, with broccoli, uh, I see a New York Times uh, article that's the headline is I'm president, so no more broccoli. I guess he really went hard after broccoli and it, it took him it took broccoli like 15 years to recover, but it's definitely back. Yeah. Baby. He said, I do not like broccoli and I haven't liked it since I was a little kid and my mother made me eat it. And I'm president of the United States and I'm not going to eat any more broccoli. You ever have broccoli pizza? <laughs> no, I have not. I'm not a huge broccoli guy. Yeah, I like broccoli pizza. I would I would have one, a slice right wow. now. So uh, the other best part about this uh, Newman eating the broccoli moment is that he needs a shot of honey mustard, to which he does like a, it's a shot of whiskey, uh, which is really, really funny. Yeah, it's some good physical comedy here from uh, from Newman. Yeah. OK, so back in the apartment, uh, Kramer, here's the door open. Newman, what took you so long? And Jerry calls him out and says uh, that he... Saw Newman at Kenny Rogers Roasters, and Kramer tries to say he hates that place. And uh, Jerry says he was buying so much chicken, almost for two people. I mean, that's the unbelievable part is not that he was buying too much chicken. It was even called Family Feast. You could argue it's for four or something. Um, but I believe that Newman would order, like, chicken for four or for ten, mm-hmm. right? The broccoli the broccoli's what caught him. Um, but, yeah, I do like the scene here where Jerry really has, uh, has like, he knows... 
you know, I don't like, I, you know, he knows that you're lying. My wife has done this to me before. Mm-hmm. Like she knows you're lying. She's trying to get you like to trap, to trap. Yes. And so uh, Kramer mentions, oh, Elaine stopped by to drop off that Bob Sacramento rat hat. So uh, I guess you should be going now. Yeah, he's really he's kicking Jerry out of his own. Mm-hmm. Hat. Yeah. And Jerry says, uh, I think we should switch back. And Kramer says, well, you don't want to do that because I'll put that banner back up and run Rogers right out of town. Uh, and Jerry <laughs> says, oh, I think maybe uh, I don't think you will. Uh, as a matter of fact, maybe I'll do it. And uh, and Kramer is calling his bluff. And then. He just totally falls, and he says uh, he needs that chicken. He's got a big problem. Yeah, I do like that in the world of the episode, that banner equals the store's closed <laughs> automatically. Yeah, because people won't go in there if somebody has a bed sheet that says bad chicken. <laughs> yeah, that, that has it. Okay, so here's the moment that uh, Keeve was referencing earlier in the episode of uh, Jay Peterman getting visited by Elaine in the Burmese jungle. Yeah. And I don't know if it was Burma then and Myanmar now or Myanmar then and Burma now. I'm not sure, but one or yeah. the other. I think it's Burma now. They said it a couple of times. I thought it was Myanmar. I, I probably told the story. For whatever reason, Burma's come up on a bunch of times. In my first, like, the first college class I was ever in, there was, like, an Orthodox kid from Burma, and he was, like, the only Jew in Burma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually believe it's Myanmar now, and it used to be Burma. So he's the only, the only uh, Orthodox person from Myanmar. Okay. Wow. Does that make him popular? I mean, I think there was like a bunch of articles about him online. I don't think he's, I don't know. If he's hey, popular. that's something. You got to start somewhere. I mean, it's good to be like the. Yeah, it's good. To, cool to be like the, the only one <laughs> of something, I guess. OK, uh, speaking of the only one. Yes. The Jay Peterman. He is uh, the only uh, white poet warlord in all of uh, Myanmar. Yeah, he's really uh, lost his marbles. Jay Peterman. Yeah, to some degree. And so uh, that he asks Elaine if she is uh, an errand girl, first an assassin, uh, and then uh, that he's an errand girl sent by grocery clerks to collect a bill. Well, I think that's a euphemism for assassin. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So uh, Peterman is pretty uh, good. I mean, uh, that he is, uh, you know, drinking water and like pouring it on his head. And um, I I like this Peterman. Yeah, this is this is actually one of the best Petermans we got. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. And so she says, no, she works at the mail order catalog and she just needs him to sign this bill. Uh, it's crazy that he doesn't just sign it like he's, he, you know, yes. we're, we're like, you can't forge a signature. She doesn't know what Peterman's signature yeah. looks like. And so he says, I'd be happy to. She can prove that she went to Myanmar at a certain point. They're not going to be like, oh, you went to Myanmar, but you didn't get a signature. I don't think that's, uh, that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And he says he'd be happy to do it, Elaine. He just needs to see this hat again. Why do people need to see the hat? Yeah, it's an insane thing. Peterman. What are you talking okay. about? All right, so George and Heather meet up at the park, and so um, now he's stuck in her head, uh, and uh, she even says, uh, Co-stanza. Yeah, she's really into him. Too bad by George he messes this up, because she seems super into George yeah. here. And so uh, he has a paper bag with her clock in it, and uh, she says, let's, uh, what's in the bag? And he says, no, no, no don't worry about it. Uh, let's go do something. And he says, uh, that's a sandwich, and the bag starts ringing. Yeah. Uh, truly the worst timing of, of anything ever. Yes. I mean, this was an alarm clock. Maybe it's like on the hour it rings. Like that? Who would want an alarm, a, a clock that rings like that on the hour? Maybe that's why she didn't notice it was stolen. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. So, um, yeah. So the jig is up, Keeve. That damn deli this is the last time they script one of my orders. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, uh, you know, good try by George. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it now starts to rain. Jerry is wearing the Bob Sacramento rat hat and he comes in to Kenny Rogers roasters and starts to 
shake off his uh, rat hat and gets rat hair everywhere. I mean, it really was a pretty impressive like shake off. I mean, this rat hair is like in the entire yes. restaurant. Uh, Jerry says, uh, that's not going to be good for business. And Seth gives him the, that's not going to be good for anybody. Yeah. So that's the reverse of the Yes. Uh, and so the red light goes out. Kramer is very sad. Uh, you know, he wants Kenny Rogers to come back. Kenny, Kenny. I mean, is this the only Kenny Rogers in Manhattan? Like, can't he like take a subway downtown? <laughs> yeah, you would think there'd be like 15 of them. He's an addict. Like, even if it's Jersey, he could go there once in a while. Yeah. Um, and we see Jerry in his bed. He says home at last. And then we see not only uh, a here, Mr. Marbles, but like watch like the silhouette of him run across the room. Very creepy. Yeah, a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not a big fan. Yeah. You thought you were not a big fan of the scene or of that happening? Well, Mr. Marbles is scary. He's very spooky. Mr. Marbles is very scary. In addition to clowns, like uh, small like ventriloquist dummies and marionettes coming to life is also one of my great fears in life. Yeah, when I was a little kid, I would assume that like that those types of things were in my closet. Yeah, no, I, that, I mean, I don't know if kids today are really petrified of those things, but uh, that's always been one of my great fears. Yeah, I do wonder what's like the, what are kids today afraid of? I should ask my kids, like, what are they... What, what's like the monster? But I don't want to ask them because then they'll like. About it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Elaine is showing Peterman the urban sombrero. She put it in the last catalog. And uh, Peterman looks at it and says, oh, the horror, the horror. Yeah, by the way, the other thing about kids is like they also think that like if a bad guy comes into your house in the middle of the night, like they have kids have a lot of faith in their parents. Mm-hmm. They like assume we're going to beat them up. Yes. You don't like tell them. But like no one who's entering this house, like, could I take even if they didn't have a weapon? Yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yes that's right that's right um yeah it is a uh you know what, what are you gonna do what, so what should we do like self-defense martial arts yeah we should both learn we should both learn like jujitsu. yeah okay so uh it's a, it's a good idea there's something to think about okay keeve so here we are at the end of uh the chicken roaster what were your big picture thoughts on this uh i mean great episode classic episode um, is there like one line or one like bit that's as super funny as the really top few iconic episodes, like a no soup for you type mm-hmm. thing? Probably not, but really not a lot of weak spots. In well, episode. I would say that Jerry and Kramer switching apartments, I think is probably that for me. No, it's great. I'm not saying it's not great. I'm just saying it's there's not one not like scene, one line. Yeah. Yeah. That scene is incredible, but I'm, I don't know if there's one line you could point to as like being like, oh, this is one of the most iconic things ever. But yeah, no, I'm nitpicking. This is great. Yeah. I mean, I think that some of the stuff is, uh, you know, Seth, uh, you know, just uh, that, you know, the scenes that we spend with him. uh, He's not really a great character. He's not super funny or anything like that. But, you know, he is just uh, basically a a piece of uh, the story that we need to move us along. Totally. Yeah. Also, yeah, Seth and he- right, Seth and Heather aren't great, but they're they're not annoying or bad. They just they just move yeah. the story. Yeah, and Elaine and her business going on. Well, let's let's do the grades. Uh, why don't we go to Elaine that I wanted to talk about? Uh, so Elaine with her issues with the accounting of Jay Peterman. Yeah, I like Ipswich. I think he's funny. We like Peterman here, so I'll give Elaine an A. I give it more of a B minus. I think it's uh, you know, oh wow, a little bit of uh, the inner workings of what's going on with Peterman and Elaine embezzling money and making all these purchases going to Burma. Uh, maybe I'm being too hard on it, but uh, it's probably my least favorite of the four storylines in this episode. Okay, well, actually, I'll, narrow, I'll knock it down to an A-, minus, just because she found Peterman too easily in Burma. <laughs> There's a deleted scene where, like, she sees everyone wearing, like, Peterman-style clothes, and that's where she knows where to go. But that's, like, you know, within, like, the vicinity of where he is. So it's a little too ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I'll take a little point off of that, but A-. Minus. Yeah. Okay, so what about 
Jerry and he switches apartments and has everything going on with Seth. Yeah, I mean, Jerry and Kramer are so tied together. I'll give them the same grade, an A. Uh, they do such a great job of like impersonating each other. I love like Jerry being Kramer. I love Kramer sneaking the food. Uh, you you know you can't go wrong here. That's an iconic storyline. Yeah, I want to dock him for the Seth stuff, but I'll go easy and give them an A. And then what about George? Um, I really don't hate Seth, by the way. I don't know like why you're so like I I think the idea that he got fired for like sitting down with him is kind of funny. After that, he doesn't add much, but he doesn't think he just doesn't have a character Um, trait. Yeah, he doesn't. But again, a lot of times there's so many balls we see. Like now that we really analyze every episode, like a lot of times these guest stars. It's hard to know their names, you know, especially if you're just watching. Uh, like, I take notes when I watch. But, like, I imagine the average person watching, like, doesn't even know, like, George's girlfriend's name is Heather, you know, that's only mentioned once or in the whole episode or something. Um, so, it's it, you don't want to make give them too much of a personality, like, overshadows it. Uh, uh, what's it, George, we're grading? Um, I, uh, I'll give George, uh, the hat stuff is funny. I'll give George an A-. minus. Mm, yeah. I I have uh, no issue with uh, the George stuff. I'll I'll give him the A. I feel like that the Costanza stuff is pretty memorable. Yeah, Costanza stuff is good. Um, uh, You know, the the alarm clock going off the first time you see it is very funny. So, yeah, that's it's solid stuff. A minus for me. All right, Keith. So let's try to place this in the overall rankings. This one I don't feel uh, as strong about as where I know it's going to be in the rankings. I'll say, give me fifty-two. Wow, uh, I'm surprised you went so you went so low there. Yeah, a lot of a, bu- a bunch of people wrote in and said this has to be in my top nine. Wow, a lot of people wrote in and said that. Yeah, uh, I don't have it in my top nine, but it's a lot. You know, it's a lot closer to the top nine than it is to fifty-two. Hey, what do you have? have I have it at 19. 19? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Very bullish on the chicken roaster. Uh, People really love the chicken roaster. Yeah. Um, I got to know when to fold them. That's right. Yeah, you should should have uh, just, you should not have uh, gone all (laughs) in on that. Know when to walk away. (laughs) Yeah, that's the most you've missed by ever, I think. I think so. Way, Way out there. Okay. All right. So let's talk about some of these emails from the chicken roaster. Of course, our email address, Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps, is uh, how you can contact us with your feedback about the episode that we're going to be talking about. Of course, you can subscribe to the podcast and leave us your feedback and star ratings at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. All right, Keith, where should we start? With Johnny Silvera? That's usually where we start. Let's okay. do it. Uh, Johnny Silvera says, according to the Seinfeld wiki, the real Kenny Rogers Roasters restaurant chain balked at the episode, claiming the scene with the rat fur would be bad publicity. The writers claimed that they would alter the storyline, but ultimately did not. Kenny Rogers, though, supported the storyline because of the free advertising, and the restaurant ended up supplying the cast and crew with a catered dinner. All right, so they turned around. I mean, think about how much uh, advertising this has been over the last 25 years. Yes. Okay, so yeah, this was uh, good advertising for Kenny Rogers Roasters. So the company uh, must have just enjoyed many, many years of prosperity from this point on, Keith. Sure, but uh, Craig Van- Vancouver writes in says, uh, this episode clearly didn't help Kenny Rogers Roasters because the company declared bankruptcy nearly a year and a half later. <laughs> wow, that quick. Wah, wah. Uh, I think it still exists in Asia, but there's none in the United States anymore. Yeah, well, I feel like it really just uh, came up, and I feel like that they were everywhere very quickly. Maybe they grow get big too fast. Maybe it's like Blaze Pizza now. Too many Blaze Pizzas. Oh, uh, I like Blaze Pizza. Oh, you like it? Uh, yeah, but Le- LeBron owns it. 
Or oh, he does? It. Yeah, it's like LeBron's wrestling. No idea. Yeah, I think that's very good, Blaze Pizza. Oh, okay. Is that your number one pizza chain of restaurant? <sighs> I mean, that's tough. I don't know necessarily what qualifies as a pizza chain. I mean, I'd say not. if you have 50 restaurants, then it's a chain. No, I like it. It's a good, it's a nice thin crust Blaze Pizza. Um, and I like it because I can get a pizza with stuff on it. And then my wife and my kids who don't know anything about pizza toppings are like, oh, I want a plain. I want a plain. I want a plain yeah. pizza. They should get broccoli uh, get, on it. Yeah, I want to get, I'm not going to get broccoli on a pizza. <laughs> Try uh, broccoli but, next time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe not. And <laughs> I will be able to get like, I can get like a sausage and pepperoni pizza. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, I don't have to hear them whine about what's on the pizza. Yeah, I remember I can't have meat on my pizza because it's cheese, so that's why I'm eating the vegetables. Oh, well, yeah, well, uh, believe me, if you if you could, you wouldn't be touting broccoli as a pizza topping. Oh, look at this trash talker. This you guy. don't know what you're missing, Steve. <laughs> Rob has spent the last 140 whatever episodes trying to get me to stop keeping kosher. That's really <laughs> what this has been about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, uh, that... You never made a better point about it until you started talking about how broccoli is this great pizza topping. Uh, we, we have an update from last week. Yes. Uh, we have, we, I said last week, if anybody is a cult expert, write in. Oh, yes. And Emmeline writes in and says, uh, hi, I was listening to your podcast, and I heard your call for a cult correspondent. I don't have personal experience with cults, but I'm an, arch- I'm an armchair expert on them. I've studied multiple cults, reading books, and memoirs of people who have escaped them. Her specialties are Scientology, fundamental LDS, uh, fundamentalist LDS. That's like the hardcore version of the Mermans, like the Warren, the polygamists. Yes. Um, I said Mermans, but I meant, I think, uh, Mormons. Um, the People's Temple, the, the Jonestown people, and the Children of God, who are now called the Family International. Uh, so Emily believes that George is a prime cult convert. He's missing direction, has recently experienced a loss, and has proven to convert in and out of religions quickly, as he did with Latvian Orthodoxy. But she does think that Frank and Estelle would work hard to keep him from joining. That's a pretty good point. Yes. I would like to note that it is the official position of this podcast that Scientology is a religion and not a cult. I would like to just. Oh, yeah. Firm up she, yeah. That. She, that's this is this is her. That was her. Uh, we're not. I wasn't editorial. The views of Emmeline do not represent <laughs> the views of post show recaps and or myself or Wheels Wienicker. Right. And I believe Scientology is also. Um, it's like ta- for tax purposes, I believe it is definitely considered <laughs> yes. a, a religion. Yes. Um, and also, speaking of cults, Johnny De Silvera uh, thought he would do anything for us, said he would not join a cult for the podcast benefit. Okay, well, then I have a lower opinion of Johnny De Silvera. I thought he was willing to go the distance. I mean, I also like he's in Canada. Like how how hardcore are the Canadian cults? They're probably very friendly. Oh, a lot I of apologizing. Hardcore. Yeah. The Canadian cults you think are really hardcore? I don't think that there's a not hardcore cult. I think if you are, but they're cult- Canadians. Like unless they have an American come up to like lead it, I feel like they're nice. Like if you want to go home for like a weekend, they let you go home. Keep you are walking a fine line with Scott St. <laughs> Pierre right now. Well, I'm I'm complimenting Canadians unless Scott St. Pierre has like sound bad. like it. I know. First of all, Scott knows that I'm a quarter Canadian, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, of course. If you're Canadian, you could say whatever you want. Okay, I, I, I could that. get Canadian citizenship tomorrow. My my grandfather's Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could be I could be on the I could be on the 2018 Olympic team if, if I make it. All right, so Keith, that we have yeah. a cult expert now. What do we want to know about cults? Oh, I have no idea. I think we wanted to know <laughs> it just to, if, would George join a cult or not? Okay, so that was it. 
So do we have I mean, any if we, other times cults are going to come up in the next 50 Seinfeld episodes? Uh, does a cult come up again? Not not off the top of my head. Hmm. It may okay. come up in season nine. Um, if we have any more cult questions, we'll we'll, we'll get back to Emmeline. But right. thank you, Emmeline. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, what does Lindsay have to say? Lindsay wants to know how do you guys feel about haggling? I'm terrible at it. Every time I travel, I sort of feebly suggest a lower price, but pretty much always just accept a price that's way higher than it should be, so I can get out of the situation. Keeve, are you a haggler? No, I hate talking about money. I what hate about all this fantasy stuff. football trades. Oh, yeah. Ha- fancy football trades I am good at. Uh, if there's no money involved, like haggling about stuff I could do. I've been haggling about with with uh, I won't I won't say his name, but the C word for uh, <laughs> about that pool that we that we were that could doing be a nickname that sticks. Oh, it better. His name is banned from the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't I did. I had a friend in a camp growing up who would swear that he could haggle down the price of a slice of pizza when he goes to a pizza place. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's not my thing. I'm not a haggler. Yeah, I do feel like that haggling is uh, less and less becoming a thing. I feel like that you used to be able to haggle for more stuff, and now I think as uh, more and more like like you can't haggle for any Apple product. It's just like the price is what the price is. You know, whether you go to Best Buy or go to like uh, you know some mom and pop electronics store or whatever. Uh, you know, that, that's just it, the price is what the price is. Uh, I think I'm okay at haggling. When it is a very clearly defined haggling situation, I never know when haggling is uh, appropriate or not. Like, I'm always afraid that my, I live my life like, well, I don't want to get in trouble by, you know, and by haggling in the wrong spot, I feel like is one of those areas. Yeah, I'll never argue over a bill or anything. I, even at the same restaurant, the four, the four ravioli restaurant, my my like a bunch of people at the table couldn't eat the desserts that they gave us. Um, and like, they didn't tell, they came in and they're like, oh, there's raw eggs. Like people can't eat them. Um, and then they felt really bad. So like, Hey, do you want ice cream? And he's like, uh, yeah. They're like, do you want one scoop or three? And my kids were like three. And then they charge us for all the ice cream. Like I thought uh, that was like, we made the mistake. And even then I didn't haggle. Yeah. Well, the worst is like, if you go someplace and they ask you, uh, do you want a refill? And like, oh, sure. And then they charge you for the refill. One time, the the place that I used to go to, the Monday night buffet I referenced earlier, yes. the chi- the Chinese one, the, I didn't really, it was like $20 all you could eat. It was a great deal. They had like decent sushi for $20, all you could eat. But what I didn't realize is they gave you on the drink. So we each had like 12 sodas, and I didn't realize, and each soda was like five bucks. So the first time, luckily, my friend was friends with the manager. He's like, it's our fault. We should really like say that drinks cost. So they didn't make us pay for any of them. We each had like 12 sodas. It was crazy that they didn't, that, that we would have had to pay like $60 for soda. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, n- new emailer. Yes. Uh, Gopal from Richmond, Virginia. Yes. What kind of bad luck does George have for the clock to ring right as, right, uh, as he's in the park? I agree. But I, that, there are a lot of unrealistic things in this episode. Like we talk about like Seinfeld, like balancing the line between like realism and cartoon okay, stuff. Well, let me just paint the picture. Was it bad luck or did George set it to go off? That was that he was he doing it for effect. He thought he was going into some sort of like hostage type situation. Mm. Of you bring the hat, I'll bring the clock, and for effect, having the alarm clock in the paper bag, he could prove that it's in there without having to take it out or give it to her. I think he set the clock to go off a minute or two into this in- encounter. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That maybe that's like his like maybe I, if it was going to go his way, it was going to be like, and I have something here for you. And like the clock rings and that sort of like right. it was supposed to hit at the exact note. 
this is like the scene in the movie where it's like Liam Neeson's daughter has been taken and he's on the phone with the kidnappers and he's like, put her on the phone. I want to talk to her. Let her like, uh, let me know she's okay. Uh, and like, daddy, daddy. Okay. <laughs> okay. You heard enough. Uh, so I think that that's what George was going for here. Um, just let me yeah, know that I, the clock still works. Right. Exactly. You didn't smash <laughs> it into a million pieces. <laughs> It's the ransom note. Right, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> okay. Pat in Ohio says, I think the idea of Jerry and Kramer switching apartments, while hilarious, does not seem to mesh with what we already know about Jerry, especially considering that he's a notorious clean freak. Why would Jerry willingly go and live in Kramer's dirty apartment? Is it possible Jerry was compensated by Kramer in some way? It makes no sense. They really did not sell it well enough. I, I It's a big complaint for me. With this episode. Yeah. I mean, you get the idea that Jerry wants to keep Seth employed and he feels some, you know, shred of guilt. But then when Seth wants the want ads from the newspaper, he doesn't even give them to him. So I don't think they really sell that Jerry's too broken up about Seth and maybe that feeling like, oh, Seth is going to get kicked out of his house if I don't uh, if I don't keep him employed and I'll help him find a different job. But in the meantime, he needs to work at Henny Rogers Roasters. I think they could have probably done a little bit more to sort of like that Jerry feels bad enough about Seth that he would go live in Kramer's apartment. Okay, I agree. Okay. All right. What about Matt in Mass? Uh, He says that Jerry told Seth to blow off the meeting because nothing was more important than catching up with an old college buddy. But when Seth said he blew off the meeting because they were old college buddies, Jerry tried to downplay their friendship and said he only knew them through a mutual friend. What gives? Yeah, I think Jerry's just trying to like... Jerry is really a big reason why he got fired. I think Jerry's trying to uh, sort of like get himself out of the situation and say like, no, 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 you were the one who wanted to, you know, meet with me. We weren't even friends. It was all about me and Moochie. Yeah. Also, Jerry is bored during the daytime. He has nothing to do. He sees somebody walking around like, hey, come on, let's go to lunch. And, it's like, and, and you know, and the truth is like, I don't really know you that well. Um. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I he right. He's got he always needs to find someone to hang out with during the day. Because he doesn't work during the day. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, what about Dan the Benefactor? Uh, Dan, who's the MVP for this episode? He's given it to Jerry. The 10-pound MVP. That's like a Bill oh. Simmons thing. Uh, because Jerry went so far outside his acting comfort zone and mostly pulled it off. It could easily go to Kramer, but Jerry needs one. Great episode. What's the 10-pound MVP in reference to for Bill Simmons? I think, I think the idea is like, like this year in the NFL, Matt Ryan's probably going to win the MVP, but it's not like the greatest season anyone's ever had. So it'd be like a smaller trophy, whereas yeah. like, you know, like a year where Peyton Manning throws 50 touchdowns, he gets like the 10 pound MVP. There's different sizes of MVPs. And like some years you could not give an MVP if there's like no obvious candidate. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I believe that's what Dan the Benefactor is referring to. Yes. OK. Uh, and then uh, Amir says, I fully understand Elaine w- should have to show backup and use for all the products that she charged to the corporate card. But of all the items she bought, a fur hat actually seems reasonable. She works for a clothing company. Buying apparel, even expensive items, is clearly within their normal business practices. Uh, we touched on that uh, earlier in the episode. Why would George try to leave his keys in Heather's apartment? Haven't we seen that losing keys creates chaos for the group over and over again? Kramer with Jiffy Park. George having to leave his car by Yankee Stadium, the entire Keys plotline back in season three, you would think that the gang would have learned their lesson by now. Well, maybe that the backup key situation has been all thought out by now. Uh, it's possible, but I do think it was like a rash thing. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then, uh, so your buddy, that he has no he has no email, that he, he did he send one in and you're not reading it? My bu- You mean Amir? We just read it. No, 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 no. You're like... Uh, 
your other buddy, your podcast co-host. Oh, um, let's uh, let's just move on. So, but did he, so I, I just want to know. He did not he, send an email. He's, oh, he's, oh, so, so that's how bad things are that he's not even, he didn't even send an email. He didn't send an email. He's, he's claiming right now that he has no Seinfeld takes and that he doesn't, he doesn't need to send emails anymore. Okay. He wants so, us to beg. He wants us to beg and we're not going to beg. We will wow. go the final 38 episodes happily without him. So just like uh, kayfabe here. So are, are you, are you guys really in a big fight or is this shtick? I, he's just very stubborn. Like he doesn't About want. What? He's Why, just, he wants. He wants us to apologize or me to apologize, uh, and 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 beg him, or at least like beg him to come back. He wants to be needed. He wants but, to be wanted. What are you apologizing for? That you for stuff you did on a different podcast? I th- I'm not even sure. Who can keep track? You ever have a fight with your wife and ten <laughs> minutes in you don't remember what it was about? Same thing here. But he wants us to beg. And if there is ever a live finale, I think right now. He, we're gonna have his picture up. He's gonna be banned. He's out. <laughs> He's out. I just don't. I'm so confused. Like, uh, do I have to apologize for something? I, I that or is he mad at you for stuff that's not even from this podcast? And you guys are like bringing this uh, sorted laundry into this podcast. I'm not even sure. I, if I knew, I would tell you, but I don't even remember. Okay. All right. Well, um, we'll see. Has he tw- live tweeted about this yet? About the podcast? I don't even know if he listens anymore. <laughs> Well, I'm the feud. I don't. I, who knows? I, I. Why are we giving him all this attention? I mean, this is, is what this he wants. Like when are you still podcasting on your other? Uh, yeah, we are still. A po- yeah, we are still podcasting. Is we this we like separate. Like in the separate business and pleasure. Fighting for years and we just only talk to each other on the show. Exactly. Like the second it's off, it's like no. That that's it. Don't talk to him during the week. Okay. All right. Well, I, yeah. I just want to make sure that this isn't like okay. Well. You guys have this rivalry, this feud that's like, oh, yeah, and now I'm not emailing. But then like when you guys do your podcast, now you're like buddy, buddy. And so it's only like a one sided feud that only exists here. I don't I, I don't I don't know. I, I, it, it's really like having two wives who both hate me. It's very <laughs> upsetting. Okay. I can't I can't keep both these relationships straight. Yeah. All right. So, Keith, what's the hashtag here for this episode? Uh, do we have any options? Okay. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think about uh, what I love the line, the vile weed. Uh, but I wonder if that's going to uh, present other uh, hashtag problems on Twitter. Yeah. Plus, that's not our joke. We try and make it our joke. If we can. Yeah. Um, do we have a joke? What about broccoli pizza? If you're pro broccoli okay. pizza, uh, then nobody then hash- is. Well, if you're pro broccoli pizza, say uh, hashtag I like broccoli pizza. And if you're down with broccoli pizza, say down with broccoli pizza. Down with broccoli pizza. Okay. Uh, all sounds good. Keith, what's coming up next week? Uh, next week, we have a very underappreciated episode, The Abstinence. The Abstinence. No, I like that one. And, you know, I was talking about earlier in the episode about how, you know, all that's left here at the end of the run is to sort of play with uh, the characters in terms of, like, what we know about them and having them switch roles around yes. and try to keep it fresh. And now here... Now, George and Elaine are going to be switching where we had Kramer and Jerry switch in this episode. Now we're going to have a George and Elaine switching things around the next episode. Yeah, we have like Bizarro George coming up. You're right. OK. All right. So fun stuff to get into, of course. Uh, so many thanks to Scott St. Pierre. I, boy, I hope you didn't make him mad with uh, what you were saying about. God knows I'm a Canada file. He knows I love Canada. Okay. I hope so. 
All right. So that's uh, thank you so much again to Scott. Thank you so much to Mike Moore, who writes the recaps of these episodes. And thanks so much to the listeners of this podcast to uh, slog through this every single week. Well, wow, that's really selling it. Slogging. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> like it's a bunch yeah, of slush on the street. I'm selling it to the people that, you know, spend an hour and 40 minutes with us uh, week after week getting to. This yeah, but point. now you're saying that is their thing like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a slog. No, they are. They, uh, the people that listen, like the people that are sort of half in they they stop either stop listening or turn this podcast off a while back when they got to yeah. the emails. Yeah, you're right. right. 38 I mean, more to go after this. Yes. No, the people that got to this point, they all uh, really love it. Uh, even Amanda Rabinowitz said that. Uh, the Seinfeld poster recap is the unappreciated gem of the RHAP podcasting network. I think she called it a work of art also. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you, Amanda. I think she's smoking company. some vile weed, Amanda. Oh, she's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think so. All right. <laughs> so thank you again uh, so much, everybody. And uh, we appreciate all the feedback on posterrecaps.com and in the email Seinfeld at posterrecaps. Uh, Kiva is on Twitter. At Key26Key, anything else? That's it. See you next week. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Hey, everybody. Guess what? We're back. Bonus coverage here this week because, Akiva, we have a very special guest. Do you want to set up what we're about to do? Uh, yeah. We've spoken to this guest uh, like 100 and, 120 times over the uh over the last two years. And I think he's even the person, if I would check my Gmail archives, um, who really probably more than anybody else suggested we do an episode by episode uh, recap of Seinfeld. Because I think our original idea was made to do top 25 or just try the first five and like quit after that. And Amir, I think, said, like, why don't you just do one episode for one podcast for all 180? And so we have uh, Amir Bednarsh, a, uh, a, a weekly emailer to the podcast and uh when he gave that idea, I, you know, Rob, I sent the email like I want to do a Seinfeld podcast or I'm doing a Seinfeld podcast with this guy, Rob. Like, do you have any ideas for like what we should do, how it should be formatted? And I sent it to like 10 people who are big Seinfeld fans. And Amir was the only person to respond. Then he responded with like very detailed, long emails. Yes. So. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll use the opportunity to say hi. Yes. Boy, <laughs> Thank Amir. you for responding to that email, Amir, or else we would have a lot more free time on Wednesdays. Now, yeah, I'm sure your wives are uh, are very happy that I did. Amir, what do you say to the allegations that the reason why Akiva wanted to have you on so badly this week was just to really throw more gas onto his feud with Chester and to make him even more mad about not being on the podcast this week? Well, as some of you may know, I actually went to high school with Chester. So having gone back a long time with him, I'm happy to be on the opposite side of the feud. <laughs> what, what is, what's like, what's actually the most like embarrassing high school Chester story you could tell, but only tell one that he'd get really mad at. Uh, so, you know, I, I wasn't in the same grade as Chester, so I don't have that. All right. You're stories. younger than us. That's I'm right. Younger. Was, did he uh, like yeah, stuff you in a locker? <laughs> no, but I will say that, um, I was on the same basketball team as Chester when I was in 11th grade and he was in 12th That's grade. That's a humble brag that he's on the varsity basketball team in 11th grade. Amir, right there. Sure, except for the fact that we used to call him the captain of the bench sometimes because <laughs> uh, he rarely, rarely saw the floor. That's another C word, Rob, captain of the bench. <laughs> C-O-T-B. Okay, Amir, so 
I'm glad to have you here because uh, that's, Akiva has let me know the chicken roaster is possibly your favorite episode of the entire Seinfeld library. Yeah, well, you know, as I've told Akiva, um, in fact, you know, the, my favorite episode, and number one is uh, the season five finale, The Opposite. Yes. Um, but up there with The Opposite are the chicken roaster uh, as well as the bizarro Jerry, which mm-hmm. you know, I think a main theme of those episodes is – uh, the three of them sort of rely on you to know the characters well and then, you know, reward you for your level of understanding their their nuances and their personalities. Yes. Yeah, we're just talking about that because the next week's The Abstinence has a little bit of that, too. Sure. Yeah. You know, starting, um, I think, probably more when um, when Larry David left, I think the writers felt a little freer to play with some of those those themes than they did while he was still on the show. Okay. So, Amir, from some of the stories I've heard from Akiva that you have, uh, you, you may love uh, the chicken roaster even more than most of the listeners might. Oh, boy, you guys did your research. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm supposed to say that. Uh, yeah, you know, um, and I'll start from the beginning. We have, uh, you know, a, a bunch of our friends are obviously very big Seinfeld fans. Are, uh, many people our age are. And for uh, this was back in 2008. Um, our friend Harold, who is our age, even though he's named Harold, most people assume he's in his seventies <laughs> or eighties. World's youngest Harold. There yep, was a great stat I, I read recently that like, all like, what's the oldest name in the in like the world, or like, what's the oldest American name now? And I think it was Gertrude, but only because like all the Berthas had just died, so it doesn't register anymore. <laughs> so I think uh, Harold is second to Gertrude. Yeah. Uh, fun fact is Harold's moved to a new community in the last couple of years. And in synagogue, there are two Harolds, and the two of them actually sit next to each other every week. And one is our age, and one is in his 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he was getting married back in 2008, uh, and I should say that I'm like you guys, that uh, you know, I don't really know what to do for a bachelor party. I've never actually really been <laughs> invited to a real one. Um, but our idea of fun was we were all going to get together in the city, uh, go out for drinks and dinner, have a good time. But before that, we wanted to, uh, to give Harold a special treat. So the chicken roaster being his favorite episode, we decided to do a live version of the episode for him with, I should say, uh, minimal effort and preparation. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's actually on YouTube. Uh, it's two parts. And I'm actually, uh, I looked the other day because I was talking to Akiva. Currently, the first part has about 4,700 views which I can safely say 4,650 were completely by accident. People actually looking for the episode itself. Um, what has eight likes and six dislikes, which is never like a good, a good correct. YouTube ratio. You don't want that. It's, that's a four to three YouTube ratio. I think they say you want like 2,000 to one or something. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and what we did basically was it was a Saturday night, um, you know, Friday afternoon, I think we gave out the different parts to people. And obviously there were some good infights about who got to play what part. Um, mm. I was actually saddled with the role of Elaine, which I was a wonderful Wait, you, Elaine. You say saddled, but I'm looking at stills here and you were wearing a skirt. Uh, I was wearing a skirt because uh, I don't do anything uh, in half measures. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although it should be noted that both Akiva and I noticed a comment from someone random on the video. And this is commenter uh, JZ2001JC, wherever you are, who wrote, good acting, but I'm a bit disturbed that a guy is playing Elaine. That's gross. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he comes so it again. Nice. He said, guys playing female parts, not cool. Yeah, not well, cool. And, believe... you, and you have my college roommate, Rafi Zlotnik, in whiteface in this uh, the, episode. So. Uh, <laughs> not officially, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a tradition that goes back to uh, the early days of the theater where men would play all of the roles. So I think that it's a yeah, bit so, of yeah, a we throwback. Were, we were clearly making a comment on, on Seinfeld and Shakespeare and, uh, and the theater's role in society in general. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because you guys don't have any friends who are girls. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's definitely not the case. Yeah. Now, can I play a clip from this? I mean, that I don't have anything queued up in particular. Should I just go to a random moment? Uh, Will sure, Benny yeah, sue us for the rights? Uh, he can, but I'll, uh, I'll get him to sign off before the episode airs. Okay. All right. Uh, let's just pl- play it here. Then this is the two minutes and 39 seconds in. So how's your stand-up career going? Good. As a matter of fact, I almost had my own show in Japan. You speak Japanese? No. Oh, so you would have done the show in Japan, but in English. I don't know. So what's this job of yours? Big investment firm. <laughs> yeah, we just got a city bank. So how, everybody memorized the lines? Yeah, we all uh, we all spent Saturday just, you know, memorizing your own lines. Um, everyone was in charge of their own wardrobe. So <laughs> I went all out with um, a wig and a skirt. Um, and the person playing George somehow found a big furry hat with a wolf head on it. Um, and we hung up a few things here and there. Um, I found something to, to use as a water pick. But again, it was really one of these last minutes. Um, let's see what we can do with uh, with the least amount of preparation. All right, here's a scene from Elaine being interrogated by uh, the accountant at Jay Peterman. Well, as you can see, the comfort I expensed is actually the Aristotle Gustave tunic. Well, what do you think? Another bullseye. Well, Mr. Ipswich, since... Every one of my expenses was obviously for a legitimate business purpose. I'll, I'll just need to do the single hat you purchased yesterday. The hat? Why do you need a hat? It cost $8,000. What? <laughs> now, was like someone blending something in the background there, Amir? What was going on? That was on? the water pick. Uh, no, that was my water pick. Oh, that's the water pick? Okay. I, it wasn't as noisy, I don't think, in the episode. <laughs> um, I don't know, Rob, I don't know if you picked this up, but part of uh, my friend Rafi's costume, who was playing um, accountant Roger Ipswich, yes. was that he had a finger over his mouth as a mustache. Oh, I didn't get that. You know, it's a little hard to see. Every, you know, everything is in the very wide shot, so it's hard to see some of the, the finer details. Yeah, who videotaped this? Who's the director here? Yeah, you know, the truth is, if this were done in 2017, I mean, with an iPhone, this would have looked gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, back in the day, I think we had to have the, uh, the video camera... That uh, that Jerry sneaks into the theater to uh, to record Death Roll on. Like <laughs> it, yeah. You know. Also, just uh, to reference this video once more, I believe that when Akiva first emailed me, I'm pretty sure in his credentials to say why he should be the co-host of a Seinfeld podcast, he said my friends <laughs> at a bachelor party and reenacted an episode of Seinfeld and here's no, the link I think to what it. I I think I actually think it was like this is this guy's idea he's really big in the Seinfeld he even he even like uh you know I don't think that was on my CV it was more like when I was you know pitching Amir's idea <laughs> Yeah I mean it, it should be noted that you know Seinfeld and I'm a, I'm a big uh TV buff but um Seinfeld is by far you know far and away my number one show mm-hmm. um you know, I've done a number of Seinfeld trivia, which, if you've never done, are actually wonderful. Mm. Uh, the best part about them is that the baseline for who shows up to these things 
is so incredibly high that, you know, the <laughs> simplest question they asked is one that, you know, you need to have watched every episode. Can you give us an example to even get? You know, they, Rob, um, you know what Rob and I, Amir, I think we did discuss. I think this is something if Rob's up to it, we could do towards the end of the series is uh, someone come on. I, I was thinking it would be the C word, but maybe now it'll be you uh, come on and you could just, you know, come up with the questions and it'll be me versus Rob. And that'll be fun. Trivia. Yeah. Trivia ball. Yeah, they, um, so you know, give us an example of like a crazy question. Yeah. So let me start with this. The easiest question they asked all night was it had something to do with um you know, the the Broadway play that was put on that was based on a fake movie. And everybody laughed because Rochelle Rochelle was basically the easiest answer that they could possibly ask for. So that's probably the easiest question they asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the hard. hardest one was um, they showed some pictures from characters and you had to name the character. Um, oh, I can't do no, that. I, can't, I, they so, couldn't, I couldn't even do that with my three kids. I would go two for three. We have a hard time sometimes <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the episode. Like, what was the girlfriend's name again? <laughs> Uh, yeah, correct. Now, you would think that they would at least put it in characters that were like central parts of, you know, multiple episodes or even one episode. But they literally took random characters that appeared once. So, for example, they had a picture. If you remember uh, the episode um, in the locker room with um, with Ramon, where he tries to become friends with Jerry, uh, they're talking about one thing. And there is another worker in the uh, in the locker room who says, you know, Jerry says, I'm going off. And he says, oh, to see Ramon. And they ask for what is that guy's name? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, not joking. A third of the teams got it. It's yeah. incredible. Okay. Wow. Well, I've got a question for you, Amir. I got a trivia question for you. Sure. Um, in the bookstore, uh, what is the name of the guy with the rickshaw? Ooh, that's a tough one. The homeless guy? Well, 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 no, no. The guy... The guy the guy that makes out with Elaine. Uh, I can't remember his name offense. I'd anyway, have to do my research before, uh, yeah, before these uh, things. That's Zach, uh, uh, played by Jonathan Penner, the writer of uh, the, mo- <laughs> the movie coming out this week, The Bye Bye Man. Everyone go see it. This is an ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've already <laughs> seen a preview of it. It looks great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Amir, uh, any advice you have for Keeve and I? Uh, no, you know, I, uh, I've been very impressed, obviously, with, uh, with where the show has gone from the very beginning. Uh, glad to have been a part of that. The only thing that I would say Uh-oh. is, Uh-oh. no, well, obviously, when you guys do this on the second time around, which is going to oh, be very okay. exciting, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it would be fun, and I talked about this with Akiva, about maybe making it somewhat visual, too, which is you guys can get some, uh, the podcast up on YouTube and put in uh, some scenes you're talking about, put in uh, pictures of, uh, of you know, writers that you're referencing, things like that, just to make it more of an experience. And get, uh, yeah. who is it, Scott St. Pierre? He'll do it all. Oh, I'm sure oh, we need yeah. a college intern for that. Uh, yeah, gonna love that. America Industries. Yeah, Scott. I don't think Scott wants to hear about Seinfeld again after uh, <laughs> after 38 episodes. He's out. He might be out after the first run. We'll see. He uh, might be out when he realizes this podcast ends up being like you two and a half hours. <laughs> there was the second part. <laughs> this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, Amir, uh, thanks so much for coming on and sharing uh, with, with your experience with us about the chicken roaster. If people want to watch the chicken roaster video, what's the easiest way for them to see it? Sure. Well, I should give a warning. If you do want to watch the chicken roaster video, you should uh, rethink about how your life is going. <laughs> but, but if you do, uh, go to YouTube and it is listed under Seinfeld, the chicken roaster reenacted mm-hmm. part one and part two. Because I think at the time you could only do 10 minute max on YouTube. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we had to break it into two parts. Yes. Part one is literally double part two. So clearly some people didn't stay for the ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Not shocking. Yes. Uh, are you happy that the Jose Reyes jersey hanging on the wall in the apartment has uh, now become back in vogue? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, that's great as well as I don't know if you noticed the uh, the Obama Biden signs that are also <laughs> not as yeah, if you were trying to make it a timepiece. Why didn't you why didn't you make it? You know, this is 96. It should have been, you know, Clinton Gore. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's a good point. All right. The next time we film uh, yeah, chicken that, when Harold, yeah, Harold, when Harold gets divorced marriage. and remarried. <laughs> that's right. It was an election year, too. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, great stuff. Amir, are, that, uh, do you want to give it a plug social media or anything like that? Uh, no, not really. But if anybody <laughs> wants to like hang out and stuff, I'm, I'm around and I'm free. So just Wait, uh, come. They, where's your office? What's your office address? <laughs> you don't want to give out social media, but if anybody wants to hang out with you, you're up for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living in the past. I'm, I'm a real guy who likes to hang out in person. <laughs> I'm up for a good time. How can people contact you? Just uh, 1-800-AMIR-CALL. Uh, Leave out for the last L. Bye, Menon. <laughs> All right, so they can message Akiva, and you, you can set up any meetups if anybody wants to talk to Amir. Maybe that you'll get a show in Japan after people see this uh, amazing pilot. Uh, I, I would imagine. I mean, I'm as rare as an orange. <laughs> was, there, was, there, was there any uh, thought to doing 180 episodes? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, we were waiting for this to hit 5,000 views. As soon as it hits 5,000 views, we'll do uh, the other 180 episodes. <laughs> it might hit 5,000 views. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just from you guys, right? How sure. did you do Kramer's apartment here with the red light? I mean, I feel like that out of any episode, I feel like that this would be a particularly tricky episode to reenact. Oh, it was very tricky. We kind of just ignored it and pretended it was oh. <laughs> like... <laughs> Was there any talk of possibly reenacting like... Uh, a less ambitious episode, like maybe something from the earlier seasons? Well, we could have, but then what kind of bachelor party would it have been for our friend <laughs> I guess Arnold? so. <laughs> you don't... Wait, let, me ask, let me ask you guys a, a question. What would be the hardest Seinfeld episode to reenact, like in an apartment as a fan fiction episode like this? I'd say the backwards episode. Yeah, I was just Yeah, the betrayal. I, I think it's definitely yeah, the betrayal. betrayal is right. The Merv Griffin set would definitely be a good one, I think. I think the parking garage would be uh, a little difficult. Well, you well could they could have just done it in garage. their parking garage. Probably. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you, just gone downstairs and watching. Do it like black box theater. Yeah, anything that has like you know, uh, you know, twenty, thirty scenes. I think is probably getting trickier. Well, the the real answer to what we should have done was the Chinese restaurant that we could put together in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Five ten minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Amir, thanks again for coming on. And I appreciate, I'm sure that Akiva does too, uh, all the kind words about the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, obviously, I wish you guys good luck. And I certainly hope that the, uh, that the uh, feedback you get from this episode is better than the one you got from Chester. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All People right. People were angry. I didn't know that yeah. there were levels of anger like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not the pop. All right. So once again, thanks. <laughs> thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Take care. Bye.